Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, talk about a last-minute show. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so crazy. Um, I, this is one of those first, first times in a while because we've had so much news breaking all the time that I really wasn't sure what to do. I only figured it out about 45 minutes before the show. And we'll get into that later because I've got Brianna right here right now, so we're going to get into government inquiry. But it was just hysterical. that uh, is The whole E-Verify thing and, of course, our bill on illegal alien uh, civil asset forfeiture and all that stuff comes in. But uh, let's, get, let's get started because we never have enough time to talk to Brianna. So let's get going. Let's try pushing the button again. She started as a guest on Action Radio, courtesy of our Constitution reporter, Amber Kemper. Both Brianna and Amber are graduates of Patriot Academy, a place where young folks get to practice writing and advocating legislation and being legislators in a mock session. Brianna immediately impressed all of us as someone we wanted on the show with her own report. With an insightful mind, asking and taking on complex questions, and a growing skill in sarcasm and satire, plus her study of government, history, the Constitution, and our founding, all of her skills and knowledge combine into something pretty incredible here on Action Radio. And now, the Government Inquiry Report with Brianna Cannon. Yeah, I'm so disorganized this morning. You better just take over and host the show. I'll just sit back and listen. How's that? (laughs) Sounds good. Um, <laughs> Always calm and cool. I like that. All right. No, it, it really, this is this is one of those things. It, it happens sometimes that just, you know, I, mean, I always try to have a new inspiration, a new title. And so far, you know, five years of titles every day. So uh, it, it's kind of fun to do that. But uh, in this case, uh, we're going to get to stuff in the third hour on E-Verify. But uh, let's get, oh, I got a question for you before you even get going. Um, a guest I'd like to bring on to your hour uh, is Patrick Wood. He is the author of Technocracy. He does a regular news post called Technocracy, and it talks very much about what you're talking about, technocracy being the merging of, of technology and bureaucracy. In other words, this is 1930s idea that if we become transhuman and we come, you know, let the, the elites and the technocrats run everything, it's basically the same people uh, who are, you know, at the UN, at the Agenda 2030, that kind of stuff. Would you be interested in talking to him, and do you know, do you know who he is at all? Or would this be someone new? Um, I've actually heard of them for technocracy. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'd definitely be interested in that. That's okay. Let me make a note. Yeah. Um, what's today? Five. Eight. I haven't got my, my notes organized yet for today's show. No, it really was last minute. It's hysterical. And the, the, I think sometimes what happens in the hour before the show is a lot more interesting sometimes than what we actually talk about, just because it's much more active and crazy. So let's get back to our agenda. What do we got? Where do we stand? Where, where are we in the, uh, the, the, the destruction of, of humanity through uh, human rights? I know that's a contradiction to people, but trust me, it makes sense. Listen on. You'll, you'll see what we're talking about. Brianna, where are we? So I found this thing of the um, smart city policies. Ooh, now, the 15-minute uh, ones? 15-minute city? Yes. Yeah, now good, good each, topic. Yeah, with each section, you can mm-hmm. go in and, like, read more about it. So today I'm just going to go over all of them, but I'm not going to go into each uh, section. 
But you know we're going to. Like Brianna, you know, you know I'm going to ask you questions. You know we're going to have to dissect this, you know, down to uh, the nth degree of tyranny. You just know, right? I mean, come on. This, yeah. this is my show. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, so you get started. Let's, let's see how far we get before I ask you. A, yeah. See how far we get before I ask you the first impossible question. Yeah. And it might be answered next week. Probably not. Yeah, so, um, and I also, before we start, though, I do have a question. It was something sure. I found a couple of days ago, so I have to go and find it again. But it was mm-hmm. something that came out of Florida. It was a um, some kind of legislation that DeSantis signed. Um, and basically, it was over, like, the Jews, like, talking about Jews or hating on Jews or um, anything like that. And when, it, I'm not and when I was reading it, it's, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, it's good to support the Jews, but it seems like it really extreme to the point it's censoring freedom of speech, which kind of seems contrary to, you know, the scientists. So I was wondering if you knew about that, did that actually happen? Or anything about that? I haven't heard, but uh, there's so many things that I don't know about because I, the things I do pursue, I pursue in great detail. So there's a lot of things I miss. This is why I have so many different reporters on the show because I can't possibly cover all this stuff myself. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm still working with legislation and guests and administrative stuff and doing all the other things. So a lot of times I really count on you guys to bring issues to, to the show. That's why I have 10 reporters a week. Um, but, but let's talk about So do you have an article on that, or do you have any impressions? I mean, we, we can look it up pretty quickly right now, or you can. You're, you're faster at it than I am. I think I um, found it. Go ahead. It might okay. be um, Anti-Semitism Protections Bill, CSCS HB 741. Okay. So what's it say? Or do you have the bill? It's loading. Yeah, it probably has it probably yeah, a summary of it. Yeah. Well, it says it has the text, so we'll see if it works. Yeah, sometimes the text is too long. You don't get to the good stuff. It's nice to have a summary. Here's, here's what's uh, just an overall on these kind of bills. There are a lot of bills that I call, you know, pandering but are already covered in law. So, in other words, they'll take a particular group, like in uh, – remember when they had the, the Asian hate bills, okay? Well, assaulting people is a crime. Uh, we were sort of joking about this yesterday that Jonathan Mosley, you know, wrote a, the, the Gun Control Act of uh, – you know, 2023, shooting people is still illegal. <laughs> That's what he said in his bill. And we're pointing out the fact that uh, all these ridiculous laws and things don't change the fact that basically all this stuff's already covered. You know, uh, the, these, anything that's, um, that's a terrorist activity is already covered. You know, whether it's domestic or foreign, it's still covered. You still can't blow up stuff and kill people. Um, so all that is, you know, and, but if you single out groups and say, you know, anti-Jewish hate or anti-gay hate or anti-Asian hate or any of these things, that's pandering because it's already illegal to, to hurt people. So why do you need these, these particular laws? And so this is why I object to these things. You know, it's like stuff they put in the Constitution is already there. You know, they'll, they'll put legislation in. They'll put needless stuff in. Uh, so look what we did for you, you know, the Jewish people of Florida, you know, or, or, or the Asian people of California or whatever group it is they're trying to highlight. So let's, let's see if we can figure out, is this pandering or is this actually necessary that there's a problem? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was talking about um... – Hate speech to Jews. Well, now let's talk about hate speech. So how would you define hate speech? Um, any, I don't know, like rude comment to anybody? (laughs) I mean, look. Okay. So is hating illegal? No. So then is hate speech illegal? 
No. So why do we worry about it? <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is kind of a rhetorical question. I'm kind of this is sort of like a semi-trick question. Here's the way I see it: the things that result. Uh, well, let me start again another way. There are th- there as we talk about. There's the use of a right or the use of, of an action, and there's the actual right itself. So we have the right of free speech. So in other words, and the whole point of having a right is so the government stops you, can't stop you from doing something before you actually do anything. Same thing with guns. You know, the right is to keep and bear, uh, but using them comes under statutory law, which is below the Constitution, which means the laws can't touch the right to keep and bear. So anything gun control is unconstitutional, but shooting people is illegal, obviously. There are legal and illegal uses. Almost same, it's the same way with speech. The right, protecting the right, in other words, protecting the right of people to do something that the government can't touch before they do it because that's called prior restraint. That's what rights are really all about. So in terms of speech, you know, everybody has an absolute right to free speech. Now, once you start speaking, everything changes, right? So if you engage in something yeah. uh, and then commit violence after it, well, you can't enhance it because of the speech. It's not the speech that was a problem. It's what you did. You know, and, and the, the classic example yeah. is, can you, can you yell fire in a crowded theater? Can you yell fire in a crowded theater? Um. You can. When? Like, you have the ability to. Yeah, when, when can you yell fire? In, when, when can you yell fire in a crowded theater? Um, whenever there is an actual fire. Exactly. Okay. So when someone says you, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, that's nonsense. Of course you can. So in other words, but speech, speech, I, and when I define speech, we might be getting a lot of track here, but when I define speech, it's ideas, opinions, arguments, and, uh, and conclusions. So in other words, if you're speaking speech, I think of speech in terms of actually accomplishing something. If you're like, hey, you, you're speaking, but you're not really engaged in speech. So I, so I differentiate between the two. Speech has to have a message. When you listen to a speech, it has a message. It's got ideas, opinions, arguments, and conclusions. That to me, and that's how I define speech. So the idea of hate speech that comes under pandering, as we talked about before, pandering about things that are already illegal. Okay. Now, can, is, it, yeah. is, it legal to be, is it legal to be a racist? Yes. Okay. No, is it legal to be it's, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I misspoke. I thought I was going to say illegal. It is legal to be a racist. Now, is it, you know, but if your racism causes you to commit violence upon somebody or discriminate against them at work or anything else, now you're not legal. So you don't need anti-racism yeah. laws. You don't, you, all you need are laws to prevent people from doing things that hurt other people. Yeah. So getting back to our anti-Semitism laws, you know, there are people who are always going to be, because you can't control, you can't legislate feelings. And feelings don't have the status of rights. So the right of a people to live free and do what they want, in this case, Jewish people, Florida, um, supersedes, you know, anything else as far as, you know, anything that might be done to Jewish people in Florida. However, passing a law against anti-Semitism because you can't change how people feel, there are always going to be people in Florida that don't like Jews. And I'm sure there are Jewish people that don't yeah, like there's actually something. other people. <laughs> you know. I'm going to Go jump to it real fast, just in case like I don't get to it, because oh, I find fine. it largely, yeah. But um, I'm going to just like say this and then jump right back to my other thing. <laughs> but this is on the uh, World Economic Forum under the Smart City article. Or there's a couple mm-hmm. of them. But at the very bottom, the last sentence of the article, it says, um, cities become smarter when citizens and communities use technology to co-produce an environment where their digital rights 
are protected and their cities are made more sustainable. Oh, my God. As you said last week, that's the scariest sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah. What are our digital rights? What's that? Uh, I had the same question. Mm. I don't think look it exists. Di- look up digital rights. Just do, just do a quick search of digital rights. See what pops up. Okay. She's working, folks. Meanwhile, I'm going to make a note. I've got a new definition for sustainable. Okay, so <laughs> those that allow access, those that allow people to access, use, create, and publish digital media, as well as access and use computers, other electronic devices, and communications networks. Digital rights are an extension of human rights for the Internet age. Uh oh. Now we know what human rights are, right? What are human rights? Yeah. Um, the right to life. Oh, human rights what the UN declares the government can give you. See, human rights are all based on government yeah. uh, permission and government privilege. So a human right is a right that applies to all humans. Well, what if a human right, and one of the human rights is dignity. And the way that the, hu- that the human beings of the world can get dignity is to either all move to the United States, <laughs> which seems to be happening right now, uh, or, or, the United- or any country that actually is free and prosperous has to give up all their freedom and prosperity and share it with everybody else. So they can be just as corrupt with more stuff. Digitally, digital rights. That's a scary topic. I should do a whole show on that. So when, let me hear that yeah, one more time. So, Go ahead. Yeah, because it kind of doesn't even sound like rights. You know, like whenever you read, read like the Bill of Rights, it doesn't sound like something that would even be comparable. Because it says digital rights are those that allow people to access use, create, and publish digital media, as well as access and use computers and other electronic devices and communication networks. So it sounds like digital rights is just using technology and letting other people use technology. I think the key word is allow. Who allows it? Yeah. Um, Government allows it. So anytime you talk about human rights or you talk about permission, this this is government permission. So anytime I hear the word human rights, so digital rights is basically what big tech and government cooperatively allow you to do. See, if you're allowed to do it, then it's not a right. It's permission. So you've got to look for the key words. This is where they give it away. This isn't, this isn't a right. And as you exactly said, anytime you talk about rights or human rights, you have to distinguish between individual rights, as in the Bill of Rights, which is what the government cannot touch, as opposed to human rights, which is what the world government says you can do. And with those rights come, you know, responsibilities. One of the, one of the biggest problems when we were developing uh, the Australian Bill of Individual Rights was the fact that so many countries, including Australia, based their rights on the UN Declaration of Human Rights, which are not rights at all. They're conditions. And that's the problem. So because of those conditions, um, they, they actually bring about tyranny, the tyranny of the government turning rights into privileges. And, of course, then you take the ultimate extreme, which is the social crediting, uh, the, the uh, CBDC, the central bank digital currency, and the control of the economy. And uh, you have the right to freedom as long as you do what we tell you. So anytime you hear this kind of digital allow, the word allow, it defies you know, individual rights. Because as individuals, we're not allowed by the government. 
the government is prohibited. So in other words, it's reversed. So look at human rights is from government to people, and look at individual rights is from people to government. That's the difference. Make sense? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm going to jump back off of that. Okay. Okay. And so I'm going to go over this list. It says that the policies for smart cities – and they mm-hmm. said that there are five key areas in smart city government that they are going to address. I love and the they term also smart city. I just say I love the term smart city because that implies those who don't do this are dumb. I mean that's the implication, right? If you have smart cities, then the other cities must be dumb cities, right? So this is how they prejudice the language. I guess so. Yeah. Okay. So we'll talk about dumb cities that are free well, and like, prosperous and, you know, and then we'll talk about the smart cities that are corrupt and decadent and uh, government regulated and basically tyrannies. <laughs> That's how I do it. Yeah. Whenever I heard the name, I was kind of thinking like, um, you know, smartphones, smart board, you know, it usually has to do with technology. And since it's an entire city just surrounded in technological control, so uh-huh. that kind of, that's how I kind of correlate it. Well, so let's, let's look at the word... Oh, go, go ahead, because uh, the word smart is actually key to this whole thing. So I'm, I'm going to put that in, the, in and write down big, bold letters here, smart, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Tell me your five conditions or five whatever it is. Okay. And with these, they said that they're going to focus on a few key policies at a time, and they will add more policies as they develop. And basically all of this is done by a community of experts. I think they said there was like 50 of them. And then there's the like three major one. <laughs> yeah. And one of them, I think, was the U.S., one was in Europe, and I forgot where the other one was. But Probably Beijing. Here are the uh, five. Oh, bitches. bitches the five, like. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> These are, like, the five, like, major, like, um, I guess you'd say, like, tidal areas. Um, okay. Number one is equity, inclusivity, and social impact. And under that, there are also three um, subsections, which is, social impact assessment, community engagement, and accessibility. So the the word individual uh, doesn't appear anywhere here, does it? Individual, you know, independent, you know, commercial, commerce, you know, uh, free, none none of that stuff. You don't see those words in there, do you? No. Hmm. Um, so the second policy is security mm-hmm. and resilience. Mm-hmm. And under that, it's a resilience strategy, data classification, cyber accountability model, and a minimus LO space capital T standards, which I don't know what those are. I'm going to have to Let's take a look real quick. Just copy and paste that into the search and see what pops up. Low T standards? Okay. Yeah. Low dash T standards. Okay. I've never heard that either. See, these people make up words. That's part of the problem. They literally make up words. I think so. <laughs> well, I can make up words too. Yeah, I got a new definition for sustainable. It's what the government allows you to have. That's what sustainable means. Like I, I'm, I'm still adding to my conservative glossary. If anybody goes to my Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com, uh, you'll find that uh, it's, the glossary is increasing. If anybody oh. else wants to increase it, make a comment. Uh-oh, what do you found? Brianna's got a discovery. It's supposed to say minimum lot. Oh. Ah, okay. 
Um, right. I guess there was a typo. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> they said right here. Uh-huh. What's, what's minimum lot? Oklahoma, of course it did. It says, yeah. in Oklahoma, it says, a minimum residential lot for a single-family dwelling should be 5,000 square feet, not less than uh, 3,250 square feet per family. But um, Unless you're an illegal alien. Do they have that qualification so, in there? Because they can live anywhere, you know, any space, uh, right? Sorry. So, so yeah, lot um, size. So I is there a – go ahead. I'm not seeing it for, like, the United Nations pop-up. I probably have to go through a couple of pages. Um, but if I go off of, like, what this is saying, it's basically saying, like, um, how we're going to be living in it. Like, the distance, how big, how wide, being on how many people. How comprehensive of them. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next one is number three, privacy mm-hmm. and transparency. Privacy and transparency, which well, those are, two are, are contradicting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Let me think, so, let me think, Brianna, we're starting to think alike. This is scary. You're starting to think. Yeah, <laughs> privacy v. transparency. Yeah. Yeah. The polar opposites. Yeah. And so, so these three privacy. are the privacy impact assessment. Oh, well, that's that's special. Well, you know, and then, yeah. um, my, you know, my first thought, privacy divide. for the government, transparency for the citizen. That's what it's going to be. Privacy for the government, transparency for yeah. the, for the, yeah, privacy for, yeah, exactly. Transparency well, for the citizen. Well, that's how it is right now Yeah, that's in kinda... America. You know, it, it was uh-huh. supposed to be, you know, the government knows nothing about its people and people know everything about the government. But now um, the people know nothing about the government and the government knows everything about the people. That's amazingly profound. Did you write that? Oh, it didn't come from me. No. It came from somebody else, but I don't know who. It's still good. <laughs> well, when you, when you yeah. have originals, you know, let me know what, uh, what, uh, what you think of. I try to do that with myself, too, of, of you know, when I come up with something. <laughs> something happened it was yesterday on the show. Um, oh, it was, uh, you know, rhinos. And I said, I don't use rhinos. I call them transgender Democrats. And Jonathan Mosley, our illegal reporter, said, oh, that was so great. I heard this one time. So yeah, from me, Jonathan. <laughs> so it happens. Anyway, you can use that one, too. All right, number three. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was privacy one. impact assessment, device and data registries, and data registries? ownership. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Put a big star beside that one. We're going to come back to that. Okay. Um, okay. Number four is openness and interoperability. Huh? I know what openness, openness is. And interoperability, like operatingly. Interoperability. Yeah, that's what I too. Yeah. Can you give me a definition? <laughs> Maybe. I'm making, I'm making Brianna work this morning. <laughs> this, is how we, this is how we find stuff. Because you've got to question everything. Absolutely question everything. Yes. Um, Pianki's actually got a good question. The says, Why ability does he, of... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Interoperability. The ability of computer systems or software to exchange and make use of information. Hmm. Interoperability between devices made different by manufacturers. Hmm. The ability of military equipment or groups to operate in conjunction with each other. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
So in other words, total government censorship and control of all information through digital means. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Under function, yeah. Under function, it says to exchange information, share files, and use the same protocols. So can we share the government files? Smart city. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because they have privacy. <laughs> Transparency is only for us. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key to the whole thing. When you look at it in terms of control, privacy for the government, you know, transparency for us, and exactly the opposite. Let me get to Pianki's question. He says, why does the UN, this is on our live chat, folks. Live chat works anywhere in the world, uh, and so feel free to join us. I expect Marco from the Netherlands. Netherlands is growing, by the way. We're getting more listeners there, which is cool. Uh, Pianki says, why does the UN always choose to test these theories on the United States? Why not China or other developing countries? So let me put that to you. Why does the, the UN always want to test these things here? Because they know that they can, they know that it's important to take America down if they want to implement this. Mm-hmm. And if they can yeah. show people that they have so much control already, people are going to be too scared. And it's kind of like that idea of um, ideological subversion or like mental warfare. Mm-hmm. Where they make you seem powerless when you're not. Yeah, but, so but you here's... don't fight back. And here's something that's really interesting, and this is something that um, uh, we should discuss also, because we talk about this a lot on the show, the fact that we have here at Action Radio the world's only citizen legislature attached to a radio show. We're it. You know, there is no other uh, service like this, and yet people who I think would just rally behind us, who would just take, take our bills. And I, I know a lot of famous people or, or public figures that know about particular vaccine product liability bill. That would include Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Robert Malone, Peter Navarro, Trump's senior advisor, Christina Bob, um, who else is on, Edward Dowd, the Wall Street guy. All these people know about this stuff. Uh, I've gotten comments on Substack from Naomi Wolf. She knows about it. Emerald Robinson at, at Lindell TV has had us on. She's the only major media person who's had us on the show, had me on talking about the bill, but it was only once. So, every, so we, everybody knows the solution to, to uh, you know, the government COVID fascist cabal between big tech, big pharma, and big government, you know, health Nazis and Dr. Fascist. Everybody knows that you have to have product liability. And yet nobody, except us, and Emerald Robinson once who had me on, and a few other talk shows, no one's talking about this. And yet everybody knows that's the solution to this. Are they afraid? Are they just don't think it'll work? Are they powerless? Are they so beaten down? Are they just waiting for someone else to do it first? You know, we're doing it first. <laughs> We've already done it. I mean, nobody here is fearless. That's one of the first criteria for the show, is that you, you, you've got to be fearless. You, you can't worry about this kind of stuff because everybody else is worrying about it for you. And they are the ones who are powerless. And I keep hearing this phrase over and over again. I'm just one person. What can I do? Well, let me tell you, folks, everybody is just one person. I'm just one person. And I surround myself with the best people I can find. And that includes you guys on the show. <laughs> you know, and you're the best people I can, you know. Uh, and so, uh, and you're, you're amazing, all of you. But what is it, what separates us, you know, in the fearless crew, from all the, to the masses who could so easily make change if they just did something, just a tiny little something, just share our bill, share our shows, tell other people, get other talk show hosts, say, hey, look, I want, to, uh, I want to advocate a bill. There's this thing called Action Radio. Can you get involved? And they don't do it. There's a disconnect. Is everybody that powerless? How about your friends? You know, when you, when you talk about, you know, the future of the country and, and where, where you're going to be in 20 years. Do they say, Yeah, yes, some people, like, are uninterested. Okay. Some people are uninterested. Some people, you know, don't believe a lot of things. And then, you know, other people, they'll be, like, really interested in it and agree with some of the bills, you know, but they don't want to share them or anything. Do you know why? But, I don't. This is, I mean, usually I know the answer to my questions. This one I don't. 
I think it's maybe a feeling of, like, kiddosness or maybe they feel like it doesn't have an effect or maybe they um, think it won't work. Maybe they think that they can't. Like, what they're doing is wrong. I don't know. Well, if somebody disagrees and disagrees with any of our legislation, that's fine. I have no problem with that. In fact, I have a far less problem with those folks because they, they're taking a stand. What I have a problem with is the people that agree with us and don't do anything. Those are the ones I have the problem with because they should yeah. be doing better. You know, if, if, it, you know, if an honest liberal or, or even a Marxist wants to come on the show and disagree with what we're doing, I have no problem with that. that in fact, I encourage those folks to come on the show. But you're, you're going to get a discussion, trust me. Um, but... Um, at least I know where they stand. But the reason this, you know, yeah. it's, what is it? All this necessary, was it Edmund Burke, all this necessary for evil to, try to, to triumph is for good people to do nothing? We've got way too many good people doing. And the question is, if you're doing nothing, are you a good person? Yeah, and it's like with voting, you know, no mm-hmm. vote is a vote for the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And so well, we were actually, talking uh, about like five uh, no seconds vote is a ago vote, with yeah. this. Go ahead. Yeah. Still got number five too. Yeah. Um. So with a lot of it, it was actually something that I had planned like I think two weeks ago. <laughs> but, <laughs> we do um, ramble, don't we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. It's kind of like a truth part thing. Um. Okay. It was. I think I told you about him before. It was Yuri Bezmenov, mm-hmm. the KGB director, went to Canada. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. He did this um, series of um, applying subversion. And I haven't seen the full complete thing because it's like an hour long. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all busy. I'm so just saying. I haven't had this. Yeah. But um, there are five or one, there are six aspects, applications is what they call it, applications to subversion. Mm-hmm. And in the 80s, he was talking about, and he said it's basically already implemented in the United States. Mm-hmm. And he said it only takes about three generations, which is, in, like, terrifyingly fast. But it's already here. But he said it was, um, and he, he has, like, letters, and then um, I forgot what it's called, but it's, like, where you write the word vertically, and then you write another word off of each letter horizontally. I think it's called an acrostic. But I could be wrong. Oh, that, that's maybe yeah. them different sayings. Uh, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, you line up yeah. the words vertically. Like, um, uh, Savak, so the secret place one, was like the special something or other. Yeah, yeah. I'll see if I can think of one. Yep. But he did it, and it's like R-E-S-P-L-L. And so the first part, or the first application is religion. And he was saying what you do in subversion is you destroy the religion, you ridicule, you ridicule it, and you replace it with the opposite. And you mm-hmm. try and keep people out of touch with any kind of supreme being. Mm-hmm. COVID did that. And then the he churches. said yeah. the second part, yeah, the second part is education, where you mm-hmm. distract um, from learning anything constructive or pragmatic or efficient. You kind mm-hmm. of try and take you as far away from actually learning. Possibly. Yeah, drag queens. And okay. everyone is social life. Replace um, tradition with something fake. Take away initiative and responsibility. Um, replace it with artificial, um, bureaucratically controlled bodies. He said establish hmm. social worker, establish social workers and the on the payroll of the bureaucracy. Yeah, as opposed to police. Okay. And then for power structure. 
It is to substitute the representative with unelected or even disliked, because obviously they will have all the power, and basically have all the monopoly of the power of the mind. Yep, that's stealing the government. Oh, power of the mind. Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah. And then Uh labor relations is to destroy bargaining or free enterprise, basically, and employ the Marxist theory. And then law and order, which is the last one, is um, says erode it and make it a generalization. Um, have a lot of like mistrust, and this is slow a sub a slow substitution of moral principles. And then basically changing to where criminal is not really a criminal, you know, making crime good. And where a defendant actually can be proved, uh, even if like a defendant is proven guilty, they actually don't actually have to um, face those repercussions. Well, you know, it's interesting. There's actually a reversal. They, they've gone further that they've made honest people, decent people, uh, Trump supporters who are locked up in the D.C. gulag for two years, uh, held without trial. And they've let rioters and murderers. Yeah everybody else go. In fact, they've disguised uh, most. We have three uh, assassinations in Texas and all of them are related to legal aliens one way or another. You know, even they try, try yeah, to say, you like know, white supremacist nationalists, the, but this is, go ahead. Yeah. That's like the implementation of Marxists. Mm-hmm. Well, part of that is, is, is invading your country with people that have no uh, basis in freedom. And as I heard on another report the other day, these people are coming in not for a better life, but to take our better life. They want a free, better life. And so that's the big difference. But you said labor. I want to go back to labor for a second before we discuss all these things. Destroy collective bargaining within there? Um, yes. So why would workers of the world unite, power to the people, why would those people want to destroy collective bargaining? What, kind of, what do they want to replace it with? Communism. How does communism replace collective bargaining? Because you're replacing capitalism? Capitalism? Excuse me. Yeah. But basically, there's a lot of um, restrictions on everything. Because it says that um, Mm -hmm. basically they're calling that bargaining free enterprise. And if they're able to destroy that and Mm -hmm. destroy our free market economy, they can implement a communist economy. Well, that's a contradiction, though. Communism, which, has, which means literally no property, no state, no nothing. Everybody shares everything. Of course, it never works out that way. You know, the only people who share are the elites at the top, and the only people who, who have nothing and actually are communists are the folks, you know, the 99% at the bottom. But the top, the top are, you know, capitalists. <laughs> and that's why we're, even in a communist society, do you think Brezhnev or Stalin or Lenin ever suffered, you know, poverty? Hell no. This is interesting. I was going to write something down. Yeah. Oh, collective bargaining. Can we talk about collective bargaining for a second? This is really interesting because I was a teamster for, for a bunch of years, so I know about collective bargaining. Collective bargaining uh, in the private sector is absolutely the product of a free market. Um, do you see it that way? Before I, before I tell you my explanation, I try not to, to bias my, my things before I've asked you. How do you see collective bargaining? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> I will. Um, so, <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, go ahead. You go ahead. Or I will. I mean, so, you know, collective bargaining, like right offhand whenever I hear it, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of sounds like it's done by groups. Like yeah. And what kind of groups are the what collective collective, groups are we talking about? Like, 
splitting it in half, like a collective, a group, um, mm-hmm. a large amount of people or a system who are um, interacting in different exchanges. Okay, so usually collective bargaining refers to a union contract. So in other words, workers are represented by a union. And that, to me, is freedom of assembly. You know, like, like a, what's the difference between a sports or an entertainment star that contracts an attorney to represent them and their whole law firm is behind them and a, and a worker, a blue-collar worker who engages a union like the Teamsters or the AFL-CIO or any of these other folks to create a contract for them so that they are represented by a union? What's the difference? I don't see one. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's okay for unions to. Yeah, I think so too. Because yeah. to me, it's it's freedom. You can't. Now, here's the other thing. Because it's it, you know, you want to talk about equity. <laughs> if you're an individual and you only represent yourself and you have nobody behind you, you have no corporation, you have no support, you have no you know 501c3, you've got nothing. It's just you. And you go talk to a manager of a company. You're bargaining individually. Is the manager bargaining individually? Yes. Well, no. No. No, they got the whole company behind them. So c- companies always bargain collectively because the company has policies, the company has a CEO, the company has, has staff, the company has probably le- you know, lawyers and contracts. Companies never bargain individually. In fact, the fact that they are a company proves they had lawyers because they've incorporated, which means they have limited liability, which means you can't sue them personally for what they do, like a law firm, which is a partnership. You can only sue the company and the company assets. So companies always bargain collectively. So in a free society, how can you, and not you, I don't mean you, but I mean, how can we say that it's okay for a corporation to bargain collectively, but the individual has to bargain on their own in a completely powerless state? That makes no sense to me. Yeah. What do you think? Okay. Um, I don't think it should be forced one way or the other. I think if you want to do it individually or collectively, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, so how about, let me just do one more quick thing here. Government unions. Should they exist? Well, no, because the government is the exact problem, you know. Exactly. They're yeah, they're not, bar- they're not bargaining. They're representing us. They, yeah. They're like yeah. our union. <laughs> yeah, but who? But they they use unions. The they buy unions with with votes. In other words, they give unions all kinds of stuff like good contracts, so they will get votes from the union members. And who's the party that's not represented in a government government union negotiation? Who's not represented? Independent parties. The taxpayers, the people that actually pay for the contract. Oh, yeah. We have no representation. You don't, you, you don't vote on your teacher's contract at your local school, do you? And yet we're paying for it. So that's, there, there you go. There's taxation without representation. We have no stake in the negotiations between the government and the government unions. Therefore, government unions are illegal. All right. Smart city stuff. Actually, I need to write that down on fast. Um, okay. Oh, wait. Okay. Oh, let me get to the comments here. Okay. Um, Marco's There's got meetings, which he hates. To... Oh, I hate. Oh. And, uh, so, Pianchi asks, let's see if we can answer this question real quick. Did I ask you this one? Why does the U.S. government allow the country to be an experiment? That's his question. Well, I think it's probably because they're getting paid. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yes. 
Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. this country is an experiment. It's an, it was an experiment in freedom. It was an experiment in a republic, not seen really since the, the Roman Republic before the Caesars. I could be wrong on that, but that's, that's my, my, uh, my impression. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Back to your stuff. So there's one more part mm-hmm. to what um, uh, you were saying. And mm-hmm. then part five. I'm going to go do it to this one other yep. thing. But um, it was saying that the media is in opposition to society and uh, basically society as a whole. Public figures will be all about political issues. There will be clashes with police and um, any division, any kind of division created um, is available for play. And basically what they're going to do is create destabilization in order to have a crisis. And in times of crisis, dictators rise. Um, So back to my smart cities. Yeah, hold on just a um, second here. Cause so we're talking about, we're so we'll go back to the, the, the defector who talked about law and order, so destabilization. But they also, you said something about um, media. What's that comment you made about media real quick? Um, media is dangerous? The media is in opposition to society. Well, wait a minute. They're not looking out for the people's interests. Um, that They used to. So this, so they want to do is have. So, so let me get this straight. So, the, the, what he's saying is that the media in this totalitarian society does not look out for the public interest. They look out for what the government interest. I mean, I'm missing something here. Yes. So he was explaining like the tactics of ideological subversion, basically okay. to have ideological warfare on the citizens in order to control them. Mostly like propaganda and control, and you know, secrecy, lies. In other words, the evening news. <laughs> do you ever see those videos where they do the talking head things and you'll have like 32 different screens all, all at the same once and they're doing all a, the same thing? Exactly. Not only the same thing, but at the same time, at the same pace. They're saying it exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, if they said the COVID vaccine is safe and effective, you'll have 32 people simultaneously saying the COVID vaccine is safe and effective. And they all say it with exactly, it's like they all have a brain chip. Amazing. All right. So number. That's the second scariest thing I've heard this morning. (laughs) Number four is Mm -hmm. openness and interoperability. Yeah, we looked up that word. It's an open data policy. Uh huh. No, we got that one. We got four. We haven't gotten five though. We never got to five. Oh no, we didn't finish number four. Um, oh, there's sorry, three sections Continue. in it. It was open okay. data policy, mm-hmm. data sharing requirements, and data architecture. Hmm. And then number five is operational stability. And that includes institutional structure, digital infrastructure, controversial terms for data. Um, wait, no. Contractual terms for data, not controversial contractual terms for data and Hmm. PPP models, which I don't know what those are, but I can look into that. Um, And then what they did is they highlighted one set, one topic out of each five of these Mm -hmm. that they kind of like highlighted as the ones that they're focusing on. And those were under equity and inclusivity and security, resilience, privacy, transparency, openness, and operability and operational stability. Those are like the five ones that I picked from. And the mm-hmm. first one is accessibility. 
cyber accountability model, open data policy, and digital infrastructure. In other words, oh, no and privacy. privacy impact assessment. <laughs> yes. Okay, so in other words, they're going to say that you're going to have no privacy because privacy is dangerous. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Okay. Their approach that they listed was they're going to launch it early, then they're going to learn from it, upgrade it, and scale it, which means it's a never-ending cycle of doom. And two years ago, they put out a video of the cities that they'll be testing it in. I think at this point there are more cities. Um, because there's some that I heard of that weren't actually on what they listed. But mm-hmm. um, on what they listed two years ago, they have a bunch of different cities. There was in North America, it was San Jose, California, Chattanooga, mm-hmm. Toronto, and Mexico City. In South Turn America, my hometown. it is communist. My fellow Canadians are much communist <laughs> now. Sad. Yeah. South America is Medellin. Bogota, Brasilia, Cordoba, Buenos Aires. In Europe, it's Belfast, London, Bilbao, Leeds, Lisbon, Barcelona, Apeldoorn, Karlsruhe, and Milan. And then in Africa, we'll, we'll it's Kampala. Yeah. Go ahead. Kampala and Ezequini. In the Middle East, it's Istanbul, Gaziantep, and Dubai. In India, it's Bengaluru, Indore, Hyderabad, Faridabad. And then in East Asia, it's Manila, Daegu, Kakogawa, um, Mebashi, Kaga, and Hamamatsu. And then Australia, it's Newcastle and Melbourne. Melbourne, where I used to live in the kid. I can't pronounce. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Um, Don't think you no, want to live there anymore. No. Well, it's interesting that Melbourne was the test city for all the COVID uh, policies. That's why Melbourne was so devastated. That's why, in fact, uh, Jen Clark, who, who called us from Australia uh, on our Skype line at 11 o'clock at night, um, was talking about this. And Melbourne was horribly treated. They had helicopters flying over with infrared scanners to make sure that too many people weren't in the same house. They had draconian measures. You couldn't, everybody was locked down in their neighborhood. You couldn't go outside your neighborhood without a pass. It was like East Germany, uh, Communist East Berlin, you know, when I visited there for a day uh, and went way further than I should have. Did you That's another story. Used infrared uh-huh. to uh-huh. measure yep. how many people are in each house? Uh-huh. Helicopters are flying over. Yep. Especially on the holidays. Because they figured that too many people together might, uh, well, yeah, but no, what's terrifying is that they allowed it. That's what's terrifying, that the people didn't scream up and run through the streets and protest. But I understand that. We had more people wearing masks than protesting. We talked about this earlier in the show, that the collective, that the will. I actually found something. Go ahead. What'd you find? Yeah. I found something interesting. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of the Battle of Athens? Oh, yeah. In Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, it was in like um, 1946, uh-huh. and it was basically it was, it was a local thing where the government had stolen the election, and they saw them um, uh, they saw them take the voting ballots mm-hmm. into um, I think I think was it the jail. They took the ballots boxes. I'm gonna bring Chiankian. Let me bring Chiankian because I think he knows about, a lot that, about this. Yeah. Yeah. 
and there and there was a bunch of veterans and stuff, and so they got mm-hmm. their weapons and stuff. Like, hey, we're not going to stand for this. You know, we're, you're either going to um, have a fair and free election, or you know, we're going to stop you from corrupting it. And they did, and they had a battle, and they fought, and they were shooting mm-hmm. at each other physically. Mm-hmm. How about that? Shooting, using guns to protect our rights. What a concept, right? Pianki, you know about this battle, right? Battle of Athens. You've talked about this before. Athens, Tennessee, yes. Mm-hmm. It's a okay. demonstration where people uh, got fed up with the corruption that was being displayed, and they began to put things in, take things in their own hands and put them right. But, so, but uh, don't forget to works. mention the – yes, it does. You know, on teachers' union bargaining, that – should be brought back to the public, the district, the people of the district before it becomes effective. Like you said, it's taxation without representation. And right now they have carte blanche, and you see your politicians always using that as a as a, as a stepping stone when they say teachers need more pay, teachers need more pay. Well, the public should vote on that contract that pay raise before it becomes infected because yeah, they know more than anybody else whether it's deserving. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, that, that's actually a great comment. I, I'd love to, to talk more about, you know, unions. In fact, one of my things I'm going to push is that uh, Trump uh, repeal the, uh, the executive order by John Kennedy that allowed federal unions in the first place. I mean, those unions are only one executive order away from, from being disbanded because there's no, no law from Congress that did it. Kennedy did it with an executive order. And so that's, that's an easy one to find, Brown, if you ever want to look that up. Let's go back to smart cities. Did they talk about education in the smart city proposal? I didn't see the, the government-mandated indoctrination education thing in these little cities. Is that mentioned? I haven't no? read it yet, but it might be in there. Okay. We can highlight that. But I want to give it, because we only got about 10 minutes left with you. I want to talk about, about the whole idea of smart, because we, we initially mentioned that, that if you're not a smart city, you're a dumb city. So, what is the, the, so in terms of government, how do you see the word smart and, and the use of that? In terms of government? Mm-hmm. What makes a city a smart city? Um, well, in general, whenever you think of smart, you think of, you know, intelligent or educated is what you would like to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of government, um, I would have to say it might be like the use of, you know, propaganda or manipulation just based on what I know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know about smart meters for electricity? Mm, I don't think so. Okay. So what distinguishes a smart meter from a regular meter? The standard meter for electricity just measures how much electricity you're using. A smart meter, I think, knows how much electricity you're using in every room in your house. It knows what you're using. It knows when you're using it. That data is then transmitted back. The smart meters in California can actually regulate your power. So what they do, the reason they put smart meters all over California is because they don't have enough power capacity to run California. And rather than build more power plants or kick out the illegal aliens, uh, what they've done instead is they, they have these rolling brownouts or blackouts where they turn off the power in certain areas for a certain amount of time. Well, the only way they can do that is with a oh, yeah, smart. Okay, great. So that's a smart meter. So if you apply the term smart meter of controlling all your power to a smart city, now, what do you think? Smart really means government control. Could I say control. something like that? Yeah, go ahead, Pianki. Smart city is where you have the following things. 
One, when you go to the grocery store, there's no live checkout people. You have RFID uh, chips that read the items that you have in your basket, then they charge your digital currency. Uh, another thing in a smart city would be when uh, you go to the grocery store and you have a display on your cart that's tied in to what's in your cabinets in Icebox at home. So if you used up all the tomato paste, it would display on the cart that you need tomato paste and, you know, things like that. Oh, that's interesting. So Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. So smart city and, and every, well, here's something you want to look up. It's the term smart growth. So this is back in the nineties. So this concept is not new as none of these are, they're usually, you know, several decades old. It's just, they don't get to, to do it until they, they, they perfect their propaganda. So if you look up nineties, smart growth in the nineties, it was, they talked about infill. They said that the single family home was obsolete, that the single person car is, is dangerous, you know, for the planet. That's when they came up with the whole climate change thing. Climate change is really all about getting people out of single-family homes and out of individual cars, getting you to mass transit and public housing. So then they said, this is what a smart city is, because they couldn't tell you it was an oppressive, government-controlled, totalitarian dictatorship. They couldn't say that. That wouldn't sell. So they called it a smart city. And only smart people, because everybody thinks of themselves as smart, you know, should live in smart cities. But they're exactly what these 15-minute cities are. It's exactly the same thing, with the same goals, communism taking away your individual rights. Now, do you need a pass to leave your smart city, your 15-minute city? Do you, do you have to get permission to, you know, do you only get so much power? Do you only get so much food? Do you only make so much money? You know, do you only, you know, can you only take so much uh, public transit and then you've used up your, your transit for the month? You know, where can you go? What can you do? These are the questions. Because in a government-planned community, the government has all the rights and the people are, are prisoners. This is a prison. I think you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, one other thing, too. If you go to the store and you're checking out items, if Mm -hmm. an item that you check out is something that your doctor tells you to stay away from, well, you are charged a surtax on that because the government is providing your medical. What if the government said you can't shop at the store until you've had a COVID shot? That too. (laughs) Let's let's go this extreme. Actually, this is... This is really um, going to happen because um, a one-world government, we don't know mm-hmm. when, we don't know how many more times it will be attempted beforehand, but at some point it will be instituted. And when it does, you know, it will it will shortly fail thereafter. And, of course, then the rapture will come and everything. Yeah, the but problem is too many people die. Too many people die in the process. That's the problem. Communism always fails, but it, it could take 100 million lives to, to, to before it does fail. Yeah, right. one of the things that they have is the mark of the beast that I was talking about. You know, and that will control everything. That will control, like, your food, your money and stuff. And I think that's what, well, if I was to infer this, it would be that it would, that that is what will be coming with these smart cities and then this one-world government that they're trying to create. I think um, that that's where they will actually implement the mark of the beast. And it's like you either take it or you starve to death and die and get brutally mistreated or killed. And it's like one of those tests of um, the end times. Things from like Daniel and Revelations. Mm-hmm. No, feel free to bring it in. I've got to get you matched up with uh, Wendy at some point. Either you can call her show or she can call your show. Because I think the two of you have a fascinating chat. This is not an area of expertise for me. It is, is biblical prophecy, and it is an area of expertise for Wendy. 
Uh, so I got to match you two up somehow, some way. But uh, I am a firm believer in uh, the ability of us to to make our own destiny. I don't think everything's already pre planned. If everything were pre planned, God would have wouldn't have given us free will. So the fact that we have free will, the fact that we can think, especially on this show, where where logic and reason, you know, trump propaganda and lies every single day, that you know the end times. I don't know. We can't, you can't say when it is, or but I'm I'm of the thing you know thinking that maybe I can say if it is. You know, what if this actually works out that we're, what we're doing here? What if this catches on and becomes a worldwide movement? This changes everything. Yeah, and, and that's great. And that's what we're working towards because we don't want a one world government. And, like, we don't know when it will be instituted. For all we know, it could be another 500 years, you know, if, if we can actually fix this and turn this around. Mm-hmm. But we do know at some point it will be instituted. But we just don't want to – we just don't want it. <laughs> Do you think that, that God put the threat of the end times, you know, into our hearts, minds, souls, and, and into, the, into Scripture uh, to have us work to say, no, maybe, maybe there is an alternative. Maybe we can work to a better world. Maybe we can put off the end times, that the end times aren't inevitable, but they are if the process that we're on now continues. What do you think? Well, you know, God knows that it will come. But knowing him, you know, it's obviously something that, you know, he doesn't like because it's contrary to everything that he's told us and everything that he stands for. And he's told us, you know, to um, follow him and follow his word and his guidance. So I think we are supposed to – I do think he does want us to fight against it and fight against evil and try to protect our freedoms and protect um, the faith of everybody. But I think it's more of a warning than a threat. Okay, so that makes a lot more sense to me, and I can go with that because I don't think you know God would condemn us to an end time at a particular time, uh, and and give us free will at the same time. That doesn't make sense, and uh, you know I don't think of God as as, as you know uh, irrational in that in that uh, that choice that, that doesn't seem to make sense to me at all. So yeah, I mean you know hmm. yeah, well because it's the devil that's going to reign for seven years. Hmm. Whenever God well, brings people. Yeah. I mean, the devil's evident everywhere. You you look at evil in this world. There's plenty of evil going around. You know. Um, mm-hmm. So, but so who's who's supposed to institute these smart cities? Is this going to be? Is this a U.S. government document? Is a U.N. document? Who's behind all this? So I think it's a mix of local, state, federal governments all around the world. I mean, whenever you go in to their websites and you read it or you watch their videos, you know, they're trying to encourage you to help incorporate it in your city. So they're trying to get everybody to help implement this, hmm. citizens and governments. Well, you just have to say no. Uh, in Milton, typical example, we're about 11,000, 12,000 people here in Milton, Florida. You know, it's a small town. You've got a beautiful downtown historic district. Uh, it's going to get better. <laughs> but uh, we resisted uh, our own mayor. Who wanted to have mask mandates? We we resisted, you know, when uh, everybody said we couldn't have a Mardi Gras parade a couple of years ago, and did it anyway. Everybody said, "Oh, super spreader, you're all going to drop dead." I said, "No, we're not. We're all immune. We've all had COVID. Go away." So we resisted, and we had a great Mardi Gras parade. And nobody else did along the Gulf Coast. Well, maybe some places, but the point is that resistance isn't that hard. I think people are scared of resisting uh, until they realize it's not that big a deal. It's easy. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I broadcast three hours of resistance every single day. I'm still here. So why why are yeah. people afraid to resist? I don't get it. Where's this tremendous fear I think come one from? of the 
I think one of the bigger things of resistance might be January 6th, where especially even with all the footage coming out, these people are still locked up. Mm-hmm. So January 6th fascinates I think because that I broadcast. Kind of, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I think like that government-instituted fear of saying, hey, you're not going to deny what we want. You know, you're not going to go against us or you're mm-hmm. going to be put in prison. We don't care if it's lawful or not. Yeah. Now, it's interesting. See if we can explain this, and I'll get Pianchi on this, too, because I covered January 6th. Uh, Josie was going to call in any minute now, uh, and Jonathan uh, Mosley were there January 6th. They were actually at the uh, Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. Uh, we broadcast an anniversary show a year later. We broadcast Stuart Rhodes, uh, the head of the Oath Keepers, who I think just uh, was convicted. I think the DOJ wants a 25-year sentence on him. Um, but we, he called us from the Oklahoma federal prison. And I broadcast that and I put out in press releases and sent that everywhere. It's great. Fascinating listening. We've never had guests call in from federal prison before. Why aren't I in jail? <laughs> you know, they took people who did nothing but walk into the Capitol who happened to show up on facial recognition. Yeah. I'm finding the deep state every single day. And if the FBI KGB is listening, you guys can call in and tell me what you're doing. 215-383-3832. You're welcome to call in. You know, so they're content just to suppress my show. I find that fascinating. Or maybe I'm just not big enough for them to care about, which could be. But they're not arresting all the resistors because yeah. I'm a resistor. I'm a confirmed resistor. I've freely admitted that I'm resisting the deep state. The deep state is an illegal government. And yet here we are. Yeah. And that's, okay. one of the, that's one of the things that they implement is state government. Hmm. Looking for anything but from... I do uh, have to go now. That's okay, yeah, because I was looking for something. Josie's not here, so I'll tell you why. Pianchi, do you have a final comment? Or actually, Brian, I want you to get your, if you have to go, let's get your sign off and we'll talk to you next week. And thank you again. This has been fascinating. Before she go, uh, smart cities will be granted money from the federal government to get started the same way you do this PPP. Because uh, then, then at that point in time, then the software for the smart device would have to, be able to provide the government, federal government, with information. Next week. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good point. Let's get you signed up, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thank you again. This is Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry on Action Radio. Goodbye. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. started off as a poor child in Nicaragua, living under communism. 
now she is a prosperous small businesswoman with a great family, living the dream as an American citizen. Josie Cossey knows all about both worlds, communism and freedom. She knows where your dreams can come alive and where they can die very quickly. And so her report is as much from experience as knowledge, and her passion and crusade are very real. With connections all over Central and South America, Josie brings you the world south of the U.S. border from personal experience, living, not just reporting, what's happening. And now, the Latina Report with Josie Cossey. Buenos dias, chica. ¿Cómo está? Buenos dias, everybody. Good morning. Dobre utra for the people in the Ukraine. Good morning. That's with you. Konnichiwa, Josie-san. G'day. How's it going? What, is, what does that mean? Good morning? Uh, Konnichiwa is hello. Hello. Oh. Yeah. Ni hao. Well, I know a few have, Chinese. I know a few hellos in Korean, but that's about it. Okay. How many hellos are there in Korean? No, I'm saying I know how to say hello in Korea. Okay. Just well, think about onions, cooking onions. Just say anyong. Hello, Anion? how are you? Anyong hashiminika. Mm-hmm. Wow, I didn't know Korean. Buongiorno. That's I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> would... I had a friend when I was young, and, and uh, she was always saying, Anyong hashiminika. She's always telling me. <laughs> I was like, what is that? She said, hi, how are you? <laughs> so, so you speak Korean with a Spanish That's accent. That's great. I like it. Okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> when I get Korean, people go, what? How do you know that? You know, just the way oh, listen, I pronounce it, you know. My father uh, is a Greek Australian, and he when he ever spoke Greek uh, when he was in the United States, uh-huh. he said like you're speaking Greek with an Australian accent. It sounds ridiculous. It's like goodbye, oh. you know. In Greek, it's just, it's hysterical. Anyway, uh-huh. what's going on in the world? Did you get a chance to hear our, our previous? Uh, I know you're busy, but uh, do you have any comments from the previous hour? Uh, I heard a little bit about you and uh, and Brianna. She's pretty good. Um, yeah. You guys were talking at the end about January 6th. Why are they still locked up? And that's my question. Why are they still locked up and mm-hmm. no trials? It's just it just breaks my heart, and none of the Republicans did anything about it. And uh, that's I'm why they're locked up. That's why they're yep. locked up. They're locked up because yep. the Republican Party should have had protests every single night around that place. They oh, should yeah. have sung the national anthem with the prisoners inside, with the political prisoners inside. Definitely. They should be holding a daily press conference. They should be doing what we did during Nightline. Remember Ted Koppel on Nightline when we had the hostages in Iran? Yeah. This is day 457 of the illegal captivity in, in uh, Iran. The Republicans should be on the news mm-hmm. every single night. This is the third, 389th day of illegal captivity. What is probably more than that now, two years? This is the 750th day of illegal captivity by the Democrat Party and the D.C. Gulag. That's what they should be saying, but they're not doing it. There should be writs of habeas corpus Nothing. every single day. There should be every legal foundation. Where's mm-hmm. the Heritage Foundation? They've got millions of dollars. They spend more on lunch. You know, than, if I, like I said, if I could have their budget for luncheons, then we could change the world. But where are they? Where's Cato? Where's, uh, where's the Hoover Institute? Where's all these legal foundations? Where's uh, Pacific Legal? Where's all the, the Ed Meese? There's 13 Ed Meese legal foundations out there. Not one of them is doing anything about this that I can see. That's why they're in there, because it, the people that it, should care don't give a damn, because they're not in there. It's a shame, because, you know, there are oh, people, and uh, mm-hmm. they're not getting a chance. Even the terrorists get a chance, Greg, when they commit oh, something, you know? Well, yeah. the illegal aliens who are committing murders are back on the streets within hours. Yeah. Yeah, they sure do. So, so crime, 
is this we should hold part of this crime is really subjective so the crime is judged based on the politics of it so oh, i'm gonna write that down I like this the politics of crime the politics that, that sounds, of crime. that rhymes <laughs> it does the politics of crime we're gonna make that a show well think about it the illegal aliens the, yeah. the you've had three assassinations, mass assassinations in, in Texas. Every one of them, I think, is illegal alien related or an illegal alien themselves, right? Yeah. yeah. So why don't, we, why don't we have a whole new classification of illegal alien crimes? Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, that well, should be well, a criteria. Part of the description should be, you know, black male, 22 years old, illegal alien, or something like that, you know, whatever, whatever the crime description is. Look, look at all the black, black uh, uh, lives matter in Antifa, destroying, looting, killing, mm-hmm. killing right. this girl right in the face. And but that's politically... They got videos they have to prove. Right. And but that's politically acceptable crime. Yeah, that's actually government-protected yeah. crime. So we get a new criteria. Yeah. criteria. So, so let's, 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 let's follow this through. So we've got government-protected crime, which would be anything by illegal aliens, anything by Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, anything by Antifa, anything by any leftist group. Is, politi- is, is government protected crime? Protection, yeah. Now, so what, are the, mm-hmm. so what crimes do they go after then? They go after political prisoners. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the other section, so the other part of the politics of crime is political prisoners, which would include white males, Christians, um, anybody that want to be a white male like Larry Elder, um, Christian nationalists. So anybody that believes God, family, and country. Is basically the yeah. enemy. Is, is basically guilty of a political crime, and so so the if you if you don't actually commit a crime, they'll make up one. So now, so if you take the politics well, the, of crime, go ahead. I, okay. I think it's a fascinating uh, subject, and we we just thought of it yeah. just now. Yeah. Okay. It, so so we can judge every crime. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josie. No, no, you're absolutely correct, Greg. Yeah. Continue, continue. I like it. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm making this up as we go, folks. <laughs> this is how I we do things here. Yeah. So, so the politics of crime. So, if we if we start analyzing this, if we break it. If I start doing that, every crime that comes up, I'm going to analyze the politics of it. You know, was it uh, was the the perp let go um, by a, uh, a George Soros district attorney? I'll tell you the politics of crime. One of the worst ones is is propaganda. Uh, the 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 mass shooting in Nashville of the school, where the assassin, the trans mm-hmm. assassin, killed. The three children and the three teachers. That principle is there too. Mm-hmm. Where's the manifesto? So, so the crime is murder. But the other crime is censorship. We've been denied the yeah. manifesto to know why this happens. And it might, because it might tilt the, 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 the trans agenda, which is basically people who have gone through cosmetic and elective surgery and drug treatments. That's fine for an individual, but it doesn't give you the right to be a civil rights group and it certainly doesn't give anybody the right to murder anybody. I don't care what's in the manifesto, but we need to know. If she said, mm-hmm. I hate Christians, white people, and Republicans, and conservatives, and America first people, and Donald Trump. If she said that, you know what? Oh, wait a minute. I want Pianca in this too. What do you bet there's a threat against Donald Trump in there? An illegal federal crime threat. What do you bet she threatened Donald Trump personally? What do you bet? Which is illegal. It's illegal to threaten a president, and it's illegal to threaten a public official. What do you bet that's in there? What do you think? But the the, the left gets away. Remember Madonna? She said she was going to blow up the White House, and nothing uh-huh. happened. 
Right, that's know? a jail. So, so there's a political crime. So the political crime is you can yeah. threaten to blow up the White House if you're a liberal, but if a conservative threatened to blow up the White House, they'd be in jail for, oh, you know, for uh, terrorism, for threatening a, a public building, for, for you know, uh, what, what's, the, what's the crime they're using now? Uh, interrupting a, an official government proceeding. This is what all these people are in jail for. Interrupting yeah. a, a, an official, you know, government proceeding. That's what they use. To, you know, the other crisis crime, and we haven't really talked about this yet, but we will. Um, Mm-hmm. Seditious conspiracy. Have you heard that term? No. Okay, so that's what. Uh, mm-hmm. Remember Stuart Rose? Remember when he was on the show from the Oklahoma prison? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, they convicted I him remember. on seditious yeah. conspiracy, which a conspiracy is when people plot to do something illegal. Like the coup that took over our government. That's a conspiracy. Okay, that's a real conspiracy. Like Ray. He, he was telling everybody to go in. And he's Perhaps, yeah. still walking around. Well, he is yeah. an operative of the conspiracy and is guilty of trying to overthrow the government. He is. Mm-hmm. Because he, he, he is. His, yeah. his job was to get people into the Capitol building top floor so they could commit the coup underneath and arm twist all those members of Congress to make sure they voted for Brandon. So he's part of the coup. So he can be convicted for that, for treason. Well, it's not treason because it's not giving mm-hmm. cover to the enemy, but it's certainly yeah. uh, it's certainly uh, overthrowing the government. It's an insur- it's, it's a real insurrection. Okay, so sedition insurrection. Conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know what? Have you heard the term sedition? Do you know what that is? No. So sedition is when you object to what the government's doing. When you you protest and you object and you you know you do anything. There was actually an alien and sedition law. Let me look at it for. Let me get a better mm-hmm. definition for you. Hang on just a second here. Sedition. I have actually have a one of my founding moments pieces uh, I might play in the next hour. Sedition, conduct mm-hmm. or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or monarchy. Ooh, monarchy against Charles. We should talk about okay. Charles too. So, so, conduct or speech. So, in other words, if you speak against the government, you know, if you're asking people to to you know, it's this conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against authority. So, I do mm-hmm. I do speech uh, inciting people to re- to rebel against authority all the time, but it's peaceful. Right. Everything we do, you know, how do we rebel? Well, we get on the computer and we share our bills and we share the shows. We talk about things here. We talk about a higher principle. We talk about the Republic. Well, some would Mm -hmm. say that's sedition because you're objecting to the coup, the illegal coup. Well, of course, we're objecting to the illegal coup. It's illegal. So is that sedition? Yeah, that definition is very dangerous. And it gets down to people don't speak what they should be. Josie, let me ask you a question. What is yeah. the face of crime in the United States? What is the face? Did you say the face or the face? Face, F-A-C-E, like your eyes, your skin. What is the face of crime in the United States, especially in your urban areas? Um, it's the black male. It's yep. the black male, but nobody will say that. So if you don't it's say the black it, male. then I'll <laughs> say it. How it's is the black male? <laughs> yeah, how is people to know what to be aware of, mm-hmm. and also well, this, what to try to address the problem? But this is a good. This is a good point because we all know, especially white people, know that you don't go into a predominantly black inner city neighborhood. We just know that we don't have to. We don't listen to the propaganda, you know, of the of the cities. And I used to live around D.C., you know, because when I was an intern in Washington, and I'll tell you right now, there are neighborhoods I wouldn't go into. 
for obvious reasons, especially being yeah. like 22 years old and, you know, you know, the, the young white guy, <laughs> you know, and I didn't go for my own personal safety. Is that prejudice or common sense? To me, that's common sense. Some people common say they're sense. less prejudiced. You're prejudiced against black neighborhoods. No, I'm just, no, prejudiced, pre- you know, I just want to, you know, maintain my safety. There are places I won't go in this country now. Oh. Go ahead, Joseph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the so same thing. Uh, there, mm-hmm. there's areas in Miami you don't go in that area at all. Mm-hmm. It, and it doesn't matter if it's a black neighborhood. There's some of the Haitians and uh, Cuban neighborhoods that you don't want to go in that area. Like I mm-hmm. don't go near Hialeah. And uh, when I was on my last Cuban mission trip, I uh, from the long distance I met the the team that I was on because they invited me to go, my pastor in Miami. Mm-hmm. And uh, we met for the first time, and I kind of got lost in Hialeah. And you don't want to get lost in Hialeah. And I haven't been there in about 20 years in that area because we stay away from Hialeah. Mm-hmm. And, man, those girls got offended. Like, you would not believe when I said, I didn't want to get lost in this area. And they were like, <laughs> that was it. They didn't mm-hmm. like me at all after that. <laughs> so are you, are you prejudiced against group. Latinos, uh, Jesse? <laughs> no, it's just a dangerous area. That, that's There's a rhetorical question. certain areas question. you don't go. Right. In Miami. No, but the, the, for those that yeah. don't know, Josie is Latina. Okay, so that was a joke question. Uh, you yeah. Know, but that, that's the thing. So, so Pianki, if you don't go to a black neighborhood, does that mean you're racist? No, it means you're using common sense. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and you shouldn't have to kill yourself to prove everybody. you're not racist. <laughs> Go ahead, Bianchi. And the key thing you must make, we're not talking about all blacks, because no. even in these communities, you have people, especially the elders, that are being held hostage. Yep. But the politicians and the news media, they are quick to blame white supremacy and white nationalism and white males. When you look at it, you look at the data and you look at the news, it's not them, it's just the opposite. Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest problem in, 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 I think, black neighborhoods and, quote, inner city, what they used to call ghettos, uh, is black yeah. Democrat city councils and mayors yeah. and police chiefs. Democrats. You know, you look mm-hmm. at Chicago, typical example, Lori Lightfoot, uh, and look who replaced her, someone who's even more liberal. I mean, how much, you know, I mean, worse. So you got you got you take one, take one horrendous leftist and replace her with a with a tyrannical leftist. Oh, That's yeah. not going to improve things. So Pianki, so here's the question: When are these um, black city neighborhoods going to throw off the black Democrat oppressors that are ruining these these, these neighborhoods with substandard housing, with substandard economies, with 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 no business promotion? In fact, the businesses are, are being chased out because they're not being protected by the police. You know, who is it? Walmart? Didn't Walmart just just leave a bunch of Illinois uh, locations? You know that that's a that's a you know, that's a violation of, of people's choice of commerce or so where they can go shop. Now they can't go shop in Walmart. Now they can't. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, the big the problem with, with it. it's the black Democrat leadership governing black Democrat cities that maintain maintain the bad schools, the, the bad housing, the bad economies. Well, enough is enough. They they're not going to do it. Uh, it's going to happen. This needs bone natural death, and that may take forty years. Yeah. So the folks that get out, that, that go, that, uh, that that jump to like you know, I don't know, for lack of a better term, middle class, suburban America, suburban America. You got black families, white families. You've got Christian, Jewish, 
you know, Hindu, you know, all these different families. We're really split much more by class than by race. It really is economic mm-hmm. because I don't see the difference between. Yeah, it is uh, economic. Yeah, but it what's is the difference economic. between the little, So here's the thing. Yeah. Go ahead. If, if, if yeah. we're talking about economics, then we're talking about income. When you're talking about income, you have to be uh, referring to the education that gives you the skill to demand a middle-class income, and that's not happening. So, so the, the question is, is there a design somehow to, like, de-educate young black kids? I mean, are the schools purposely worse? I don't think it's a money issue because there's a lot of uh, uh, schools in, in, in black neighborhoods where the teachers are, are well-paid better than, like, some, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah schools, and yet the Salt Lake City schools in fact, so the, the, the Utah schools apparently do very well uh, with minimal spending. So it's not, it's not a money issue. But is there, is there an organized entity uh, or plot or Democrat thing to keep victimhood where they actually have, by design, made schools in black neighborhoods purposely worse? Yes, they do it. Mm-hmm. How? How do they do that? Well, I, Hispanic neighborhoods too, maybe. I don't know how, I don't know how Bianchi is going to uh, respond on that, but... Uh, I uh, worked in a in a black neighborhood. Uh, my dentist, he had an office there because he was cheating Medicaid, and he had all the black folks coming with the with the Medicaid card. And at that time in the 80s, uh, everyone was in that car. They didn't have individual. The whole family. It was mom and five, six kids, and the dentist would cheat on everyone. Like everybody came and had their cleaning, and two kids had a, a root canal or different thing. But he finally got caught. But, uh, yes, the the government has been doing this to the black community for many years. They don't want for them to be lawyers, doctors. They want to keep them down. And the black community don't realize, and they continue voting and voting and voting for them. Uh, and, and when Obama came in power, one of the uh, things that he did, he was uh, closing those specialty schools, uh, I forgot the name of it. You know, uh, some kids are smarter than others, and they send them to that special school. And he was shutting down. I think that's charter school. Yeah, he he was uh, he was closing them down everywhere. Mm -hmm. Why? You know. And who the biggest objectors to that were were black parents. Black parents are the biggest objectors Mm -hmm. to to losing those charter schools. Go ahead, Bianchi. Charter school. That's the teachers union. See, oh. Democrats will protect their constituent base. If they got a big constituent base like teachers unions that have money to contribute to their uh, coffers, then they will protect them. So if we get rid of teachers unions, is there any incentive to keep uh, black kids uh, de-educated in substandard schools? I mean, Absolutely. what's the connection? There is no, there, there is no incentive too, because you're going to get paid regardless. Okay, so there's no, but why is there less incentive to teach in, in a predominantly black neighborhood school than, say, you know, a white or an Asian neighborhood school? Because in those neighborhoods, you have so much dysfunction. And dysfunction as simple as not having a family base where right. authority is learned. You don't have the respect for authority at home. Then when you go to school, it don't have it there. And, of course, when it gets out into the public with the interaction with authority, those who have been given authority, they don't have respect for authority there. 
thus you see all these interactions. Question, uh, and this is for Josie uh, and, and Pianchi, for both of you. With all the illegal aliens coming in, they're starting to form illegal alien communities, you know, and, and we know what's going to happen, the no-go zones, things like that. But I'm curious about the education, because the Plyler v. Doe Supreme Court decision, one of the worst decisions ever, and it's actually illegal, mandates that we pay for the education of illegal alien children, which to me is foreign aid. And you can't make American taxpayers, you can't force foreign aid unless, you know, there's a bill from Congress. They can do it, but they can't educate illegal aliens here. But the point is, that's probably too much information on that. But the point is that you, they will get, they're going to want us to pay for illegal alien education. Now, is the illegal alien education going to be better than the inner city black neighborhoods or worse? Considering these people shouldn't even be here. So I, believe, I'll, I'll take both of you. So one at a time. On. I believe go first. personally, because I have seen it in live in person, I believe they're criminal communist left Democrat government wants to help better in different ways the Latinos coming in illegals and black people. No doubt about it. Okay. That's true. You're absolutely right. They're going to take the place of blacks because the Democrats have just about used them to the first extent that they can without being noticed. They are beginning to be noticed. People are complaining. So when people are complaining and it's going to disrupt your game plan, you got to come up with another game plan. So if the Democrats abandon uh, the the, plant, the black plantation for the illegal alien plantation, what what are you know where are the black leaders? Where are the uh, you know the community activists? Where are the people that are going to go? Wait a minute, <laughs> you know I think I say okay, great, let's make our, our neighborhoods middle class and bring in commerce and you know bring in freedom and prosperity and things like that. Or are these neighborhoods going to get even worse? What you call black leaders are those that's always in the view of the camera, and they are there for self-gratification. James Clyburn said, my family would be all right. Elijah Cummings did, but his wife thinks that she's the rightful heir to his congressional seat. There shouldn't (laughs) be no others. Al Sharpton, well, you know him. Jesse Jackson, he's pitiful now. But that's what it is. They jockey themselves because they can make these complaints. They can make these these claims against corporations, threaten them with boycott, threaten to shame and defame, and then they give in and contribute to their organizations. Their organizations, they're on salary with their organizations. Yeah, but that's how they work. They use them. But eventually people have to say enough is enough. Now, I'm not you know, a huge expert on black history, but names like Frederick Douglass and, and Booker T. Washington and some other folks come to mind. You know, where are those folks today? Um, who was, uh, let's take Ben Carson, you know, uh, as an example of a more modern example. You know, had hard times. Went they're to school, being shamed, you know. just like they're trying to shame Clarence Thomas, who's an okay, excellent so constitutional judge. Yeah. They've been taught and conditioned that that is nasty, quote-unquote. So was Frederick Douglass, as, a, as a, a former slave, in a better position to be an advocate for Americans and for black Americans than, say, a Clarence Thomas today, who, has a, who is basically the enemy of the Democrat Party? No, you don't have to go back there. See, that's another thing. Blacks should be the richest people on the planet because they got these time machines that they can go back in the time that technology should be 
should be sold to NASA or the DOD. Okay, now, now you're losing me. What, what, what do you mean, time machines? You got to explain that. Examples of success today that should be pointed out. Huh. We need to do an analysis of some some uh, really successful black nations, especially if they had uh, you know the, those good old freedom and prosperity things, or maybe even ancient civilizations. This is what made them prosperous. Let's get back to Josie though. Um, I know she had a report here, but yeah, I, 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 you're losing me on the time machine thing. <laughs> Unless you're talking figuratively. If you're talking literally, then, then we got to talk. Anyway, go ahead. Well, the time machine is that they go back four or 500 years and try to blame uh, the remises, uh, remises of that that's affecting things today. That's just oh, totally ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, good. I was, I was, you had me worried for a minute. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Josie? And, you know, a um, couple nights ago, my girlfriend, we talked on the phone on the way home. Uh, she's a widow, has a couple kids, but they're not in town. You know, she's about 70 years old or 72, I forgot. Uh, mm-hmm. She was saying, oh, my God, Josie, did you see what Clarence Thomas has done? And I just cannot believe it. I said, sweetie, it's all a lie. Do not believe all that accusation because this is AOC creating all these accusations because she said she was going to get them out, you know. And I have to convince her that it's a lie. And what from was the, the lie? very beginning that what were they saying? Uh, the accusations the accusations about Clarence Thomas, why did she receive money and gift and all that? It's it's a lie. It's a lie. And and, and they're talking a lot of stuff because they want to get them out. And I'm trying to well, convince her that don't believe it. Yeah. You know what this comes well, here's to the is thing with that. What does the Constitution say about a judge or any federal official maintaining their What does it take for them to be looked upon in bad light? It's good behavior. What the hell is good behavior? You mean to tell me that his wife cannot get involved in her own ambitions? Well, that's a good thing to know. Now you're talking about women's rights. You know, it's interesting. We talked yeah. about the politics of crime earlier. So, so the crime. So, in other words, if, if they don't have a crime, they'll make up one. So, this comes under the selective enforcement. In other words, the you know, the, everybody's guilty of something. What is it? People. Someone said you, you commit thirteen, you know, felonies a day, just going through life, just normal life. Because there's so many laws, so many stupid laws out there, uh, and so they they put the stupid laws in so they can use them against you. That's what that's what a, a tyranny does. So there's probably some nitpicky little thing about declaring, you know, all of your expenses and the definition between a gift uh, and a and a donation or a contribution and all this and election laws and all this kind of crap. All these ridiculous rules. Now, did Clarence Thomas maybe violate a particular law that we would consider stupid, illegal, or wasteful, or you know, nonsense? It's possible. But the fault is not with Clarence Thomas. The fault is with the law. The law itself is the problem. There ain't no laws. Okay, that's that's even worse. There's no law. It's It's an argument. The the, the court has a contingency among themselves where they set their own ethics. There's no law. It's just like if you belong to a fraternity. They have their own ethical way of doing things. Then if you break it, then you are subjected to ridicule by the Maternity itself, eternity, fraternity itself. Mm-hmm. So there's no laws mm-hmm. that tell Clarence Thomas' wife that she can't. Where is the law? Where is it? Was it enacted? I was thinking about Congress? that. I was thinking about where was it voted uh, on by a state legislature? 
It's well, not. his wife, no. No, but I was thinking about Clarence Thomas himself, if he went to visit various places. But it wasn't uh, Brandon at a billionaire's, you know, resort in one of the islands recently, you know, probably getting a payoff or something like that. They go to Epstein's Island. Exactly. So what I'm saying anyway. is this is selectively enforced. In other words, if the government uh-huh. wants to prosecute you, they will find the nitpicky law or they'll make up something like the courts do and they'll go after you. Whereas if you're protected, like Hillary Clinton is protected and, and Hunter Biden is protected, you can commit the worst crimes oh, in yeah. the world. If, or the most protected person is Dr. Fascist. He's killed yeah. millions of people worldwide, and nothing's happened I to him know. yet. Bill Clinton killed nothing. everybody at Waco, and he—he's—I mean, there's no statute of limitations on murder. You know, where's the trial? And Bush, and Bush was part of the 9/11 killing. Nothing happened, but it will. They all will. Bush was part their, of the. The judgment yeah, Bush day is, is coming. Yeah. Do not worry. Yeah, but, yeah, but okay. I'm, I'm in a hurry. Let me get, I don't have time for that. Let me get, <laughs> go ahead with your report. Yeah, you sorry. have to be patient. Let me go to my report a little bit. It's not long, but um, I go wanted to talk about uh, the illegals uh, coming through the jungles of Colombia. And I was watching a video very intense. Uh, Oscar Blue, he's a Mexican reporter, and he has become more famous more and more and more since I started uh, seeing his videos about six years ago with different things, you know, and he really mm-hmm. loves America. But he did the journey. He did about 14-day journey uh, in Colombia jungles, and he had about four men armed with weapons, you know, to protect them. And they were showing a lot of people coming across uh, through rivers, through jungle, through different things, you know, very, very bad, intense. Mm-hmm. and climbing through, like, small mountains full of rocks if you can hardly walk. And um, there was a lot of Haitians coming and a lot of Venezuelans, uh, some Cubans, but mainly were Haitians coming through. And this lady had a little baby girl, and, man, this little girl, she was crying and crying and crying and crying and just nonstop crying because of the heat, probably mosquitoes. And they were carrying some sort of a bag, the husband carrying supply for them to sleep or food. But they did run out of food. And uh, it breaks my heart because a lot of these people, they don't know how bad this journey is in order to make it to the United States. And uh, what happens to many, many have died uh, coming across the jungle. Uh, They were showing some uh, remains of different people there. Uh, also, before they cross the United States, the cartels are in charge at that time of them. So they choose who's going to live and who's going to die. So these people, it almost reminds me like a little animal. When a little animal is so young, the, the predators are ready right there to devour you, you know, to eat you. And uh, this is what's happening at the border. Uh, The cartels are trafficking so many young men, so many young girls, raping them. And uh, it's it's sad because a lot of these people are going to go back because Donald Trump will deport many. And right now, people are really freaking out. I have so many people have called me. So many people have approached me, what, what do we do? What, what's going to happen? That they're trying to send us back now because Ron DeSantis is sending, uh, changing the law. And uh, uh, these people are freaking out because right now, have you heard about it, uh, Greg? 
Oh, the Verify Law is going to cover it in the next hour. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff on that. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Well, I didn't yeah. need it until about 45 so, minutes before the show. I was wondering what it's going to do today. <laughs> it was one of those days. I wasn't quite sure. So we, we don't uh-huh. have the, the, uh, the, 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 the you know, dump truck loads of, of news that we, we had, you know, a few weeks ago. There's always something. It was easy to pick a show, you know, because so many things were happening. Right now, not as much is happening, which has me worried. So why isn't as much happening? There's so much that should be happening. Yeah, we'll talk about E-Verify. Well, you tell, tell me what happening. you think about it. Yeah, well, there is, but it's, it's, it's more subtle and long-term. Tell me what you think of this, this E-Verify bill. Or the whole idea of E-Verify. Uh, well, uh, I agree with uh, Ron DeSanti. He, you know, this is like, like going back uh, when I first started a business. If you hire somebody illegal, they were charging us $10,000. I have never hired an illegal in my store, and I will never do that. Because mm-hmm. when I hire an illegal, that means I'm taking the job of an American person, a legal person in this country. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now there's new laws. And the other thing is pastors are freaking out because there's a lot of pastors, including in this area, uh, transporting illegals to picking them, picking them up from home and bringing them to church. And they're going to get a fine because that's Good. the new law uh, that is coming up. Yeah, but it's only $1,000 a day. It's nothing. It, for big corporations, it's nothing. It's less than the cost of labor mm-hmm. if they hired Americans. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of a lot of illegals on uh, TikTok, Facebook, and I've been answering back. You know, well, you're illegal. I'm surprised you're even here. I'm making comments. You know, and Donald Trump is going to deport them all, and I keep telling that so they can start packing their bags and get out or, or whatever the heck they're going to do. But <laughs> the, there's a lot of videos. There's uh, an illegal. Uh, saying, well, who's going to do roofing? Come on. Uh, are a white person going to come and do my job? Or they Actually, yes. Take tomatoes? Yes, they yes, are. I know. You know and here's the, here's the yep. interesting thing. Now, they can't work for illegal alien wages because we have to pay taxes and, and support ourselves. So I had this discussion yeah. recently with, uh, with someone on Facebook, and exactly the same thing. They said, well, who's going who's gonna to do your construction work? You know, I said, the, these industries will have trouble. America, I, said, I don't care. Like before. Mm-hmm. Americans like before. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So before we had illegal aliens, we built houses, we harvested lettuce, you know, we painted, uh, you know, we did roofs, we did all kinds of stuff. You know, we did everything mm-hmm. that illegal aliens are doing were done, was done by Americans legally. And so this idea, well, Americans don't want to pay more for their food. Well, if that's not the question. See, the, what the real question is, is the profit margin. So in other words, mm-hmm. if, if these companies have to pay, you know, more in wages to be competitive, you know, hiring Americans, then they will. Now their bottom line, you know, are they going to make fewer profits? Of course. But that's the cost of doing business mm-hmm. legally. Okay? Legally, there are things that you have to do. You, you, you pay the competitive wage. If you can hire illegal aliens, that's an unfair competitive advantage, and your profits are now illegal because you're using illegal labor. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to yeah. say you can't do that. Well, are things going to be a little more expensive? They might be. Or, they might, or they'll mm-hmm. cut their profits down you know, and, and be competitive. Yeah. So in a competitive market, hiring Americans is no burden. Look at UPS. Okay, UPS is one of the most successful companies in the world. They pay nationwide because they have a nationwide Teamster contract. What, $26, $28 an hour plus full benefits for the entire family plus a pension Mm -hmm. after 10 years? Mm -hmm. You're invested – no, five years. Excuse me. Teamster pensions, you're invested in pension after five years in the Teamsters. That's Mm -hmm. nothing. Most companies don't even have a pension. How can they afford to do that? They own jets. They own trucks. They have a huge infrastructure. How can they afford to do it? Because their workers stay the entire yeah. career. They, work they have hard. to retrain. Yeah. They don't retrain anybody. 
If you go work at UPS at 28 bucks an hour with full benefit to your family, you can buy a house. You know, you can raise a family on that. You know, you can do it with a high school education. You can go work for UPS, drive a truck. You know, yeah. your knees are going to suffer, you know. But the point is, you can do it. And it's all American labor. So when anybody tells me, well, mm-hmm. we're doing the jobs that Americans won't do, that's a bunch of BS. That's not true for a second. Americans have always done these jobs. And here's another one, too. I just heard this last night on the news, but I remember it. There was a factory yeah. employing illegal aliens in a food processing plant. Well, of course, they went in, e-verified, got rid of all the illegal aliens. And guess who, guess who lined up for jobs? American citizens. At a few more dollars yeah, an hour, good. of course, because we need to live. But the, the idea that, we, that Americans won't do these jobs, first of all, you get rid of the unemployment. If you don't take a job that's offered and you're on unemployment, you lose your unemployment. But secondly, why would you pay millions of Americans to be on unemployment and then give a corporate welfare subsidy by letting them hire illegal aliens? Because that's, that's all what it is. It's an illegal corporate welfare subsidy by hiring illegal aliens. It is not dependent. We do not depend on our, on our economy for illegal aliens. That is BS. That's by people that just want more money. They want an extra yacht. I'm sorry. Yeah. Pay a competitive wage to American yeah. citizens and figure your profits, you know, legally. Okay, I'm off mm-hmm. my soapbox. That's fine. And, you know, um, some of the replies on some of the messages that I've been putting in on Twitter, they go, what, you hate you hate Latino? Aren't you a Latina? And, you know, they, they, they think I hate them. No, I don't hate them. I hate America, and I want fair, a fair game because I didn't come across the border illegally and got everything for free. I have never, ever accepted not even 10 cents free from the government. I mm-hmm. have worked so much for what I have. Mm-hmm. And uh, right now, I think, I don't know if I mentioned last time, but some of the hospitals are bringing teams, like in a bunch of 20s from Puerto Rico, RNs, to work here in the local hospitals. And each person is getting $20,000 bonus. I thought it was per family, but it's not. It's individually. I met a husband and wife. And they both were getting twenty thousand dollar bonus. So uh-huh. I asked are they on a, are they on a visa? Girl, they're on a temporary visa, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they're here. These are international uh, workers, right? But, so international because if international workers are coming here, then they're on a visa. Well, they're from Puerto Rico, so they're supposed to be American. Okay, that's so. different than okay. Well, that's that's not a problem. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm confusing the, the issue. Is, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, but the thing is. Why are you reaching to bring 20 at a time, $20,000? Why can you give that incentive to local nurses here? Mm. I just talked to a student, and she just graduated, and she said, I didn't get nothing. I said, well, because we were talking about it. I said, did mm-hmm. you get $20,000 to work at that hospital? She said, heck no, I wish I did. So, you know, we were talking so why why, why, why puerto rico what's uh puerto rico is a territory it's not a state it's a territory so you're it's like samoa i mean not samoa uh mm-hmm. what am i thinking of the islands guam and some of the other islands we have oh my ex american samoa oh. would be included as a territory yeah so you got the so why would you bring people from puerto rico when you can hire local people what what what's uh exactly. the government obviously has something what's that fit well go ahead exactly why are you hiring people to come from the outside Instead of giving the business to the local business, you know, unless, local workers here. Unless they can Something be sent back. Unless they can be sent back for non-compliance. Because remember you told me about the story about uh, people here on visas. And if they, don't, if they don't give COVID jabs and if they don't do things that are against it, if they don't put people on ventilators and kill them, they get sent back, right? 
Uh-huh. Also, so, you know what I was just thinking? Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Um, also, these people are probably not going to say anything if they see something. Hmm. And they mm-hmm. really don't speak English. So how are they going to take care of American people that don't speak Spanish? Uh, because there's a lot of uh, American people in this area that they don't know a word in Spanish, you know? I know about five. So, I used to know more. And, and also, <laughs> also, there's more and more physician assistants. They're getting rid of the, the, the real doctors. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's the agenda behind this because see, the real doctors will get arrested and the physician assistants, they don't know. Oh, I don't know. I'm just an assistant. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. these people are sneaky. So uh, there is a purpose. I'm pretty sure why they bring in all these people. They just brought 20 in one of the I local think, hospitals. I think because they can be sent back because it's a territory, not a state. I think the reason you bring in people from mm-hmm. faraway places is that you can send back or it's cheaper labor. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why are the cruise ship companies uh, allowed to hire uh, foreign workers? Like most of them are from, I think, uh, the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Tons of people on cruise ships are all from the Philippines. And they leave their families for like six, eight months at a time. But they come home with a ton of money. Yeah. The cruise ship companies don't pay them. Yeah. The tips pay them. But it's worth it because the yeah, cost of yeah. living is so low where they are that they can work for six months a year, make a fortune, yeah. uh, and go home for six months. There's, um, let me talk about one other thing here that just brought, uh, Marco was listening in the Netherlands. He talked about reparations uh-huh. for California. So let me, let me make sure we finish what you're talking about. There was no slaves you... in California, Marco. <laughs> <laughs> no such a thing. Uh-huh. A lot of the slaves were in Jamaica with uh, Kamala Harris family. <laughs> so why isn't she paying reparations? Uh-huh. Yeah. But the, I mean, this whole idea, because Bianchi's talked about a bunch of times, nah. the idea of reparations. It's ludicrous. So it is. It is. It is now here's a here's a political crime. They're committing. They're, they're they're literally buying votes at millions of dollars a vote. That's what this is all about. So why would yeah. they, let's get motivated? Well, I always like to go to motivation. So why would the California Marxists uh, in the the legislature and and Gavin you know Lennon himself? Why would he do that? Why would they do that? What's in it for the government to give millions of dollars to black people who never were slaves? And, and take it from white people who never owned slaves. You know, in fact, most of the South, I think only about what eight percent of the of the of the Southerners actually owned a slave. Mm-hmm. There's not a big percentage. So most people. So that means that 92 percent of the population had nothing to do with slavery in the South, where they had slavery. I don't. Well, I don't even think... if they did, Go ahead, even if they did, Josie and Greg, it wasn't illegal. Mm-hmm. How about reparations for company but, but towns? Gonna, you want to talk about illegal? I was going to say Jesse. quickly before I lose my thought. I think this is another scam of the Democrats. I don't think they're going to give all that money to black people at all. Maybe mm. they'll give them a little, a little percentage and the rest is going to go in their pocket because this is, uh, this is what they uh, professionally know how to do best. Uh, like so, less than, than forty six million to Honduras, and guess what? They give twenty million. The rest come in their pockets. Yeah. So this is so another scam. The, illegal alien money. reparations uh, money laundering bank. Is that what we're talking about? Oh, not illegal alien, but the uh, the reparations no, uh, money money laundering Slavery. bank. <laughs> yeah. Here's the question: Why come people aren't complaining about this? Because it's your tax dollars that's being 
are given out for no particular reason whatsoever. Well, as someone who used to live it, there, I'll tell you why. Because it doesn't work. Yeah. If the activity it, it, wasn't illegal, it wasn't a crime. Now, mm-hmm. people are saying that they need to be confiscated by a government because some other people treated them wrong as they would consider it being wrong. Well, that could just spread like a wildfire throughout the population. Oh, yeah, you're going to be a bunch of people. Money, yeah, go ahead. You know, all that money that they're going to waste in reparation, they should be they should be giving it back to all the people that lost loved ones from the crime of this vaccine and all the businesses that they were looted and destroyed by the Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and all these criminals. They mm-hmm. should be getting that type of reparation, not black people that they don't know how to pick cotton. The only cotton they know how to pick is going to Walgreens. They don't know. Not, yeah. yeah no, I just think it's funny. And what about January 6th people that's being held in the gulag? I just They're being exactly. held illegally. I, I literally just wrote that down. Yeah, I was going to do a show on reparations for J6 people. Yeah, that's a great comment. They will get a lot of money. Oh, yeah. The, but I hope they make it out alive because a lot of them um, – they're giving them uh, a small amount of rat poison in their food, uh, maggots in their food. So a lot of these uh, uh, veterans, which is many of them locked up, they're having stomach problems, very sick. A lot of them are very ill. And these people are are torturing them by keeping them in a solid, solitary consignment. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. For two weeks at a time, not shower. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is this? This is worse well, than speaking Cuba and Nicaragua. You this know? is how you terrorize <laughs> anybody who wants to challenge the government. Because if you make examples of these people saying, this is what we can do to these people who really did nothing wrong, guess what we can do to you? Anything we want. Purest example yeah. of dictatorship and tyranny. They, these people are examples. They are made to suffer so that nobody challenges the government. Well, I'm here to tell you, we challenge the government every day, three hours a day, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central Time. Yep. Yeah, I'm not going to stop, you know. If I'm not here wonder, one day. I wonder why they're having so much to you know, me because I'm choice, in a lot mine. of videos. Go ahead. You know, Greg, I, I wonder why they haven't come up to me that I was there in the back of the uh, Capitol. I was not inside or the front. I was in the back part. I had I couldn't hardly walk because my knee was really bothering me because of the cold weather that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe because I'm a Latina and I'm not going to put up with her uh, criminal accusations against somebody like me that I'm innocent? I don't know. I've been thinking Well, how many women? Has anybody looked at the makeup of the people? This would be a great project for me next week. Look at the makeup of the prisoners, the political prisoners. How many are white men? How many are black men? How many are women? How many are Hispanic women, white women, um, black women? I mean, I'd just be curious. I pretty much guarantee they're mostly white men, mostly Christians. I can ask ask Mariposa. But not exclusively. She knows because she, she was in jail. Uh, for 45 days. Who said this? Uh, who kn- I'll who ask knows? For next week. Who's this? Hmm? Oh, Mariposa, I don't know if you mentioned. Mariposa. She was in jail in the D.C. jail? Yeah, for 45 days. Yeah, so she should know for how January many 6th? women are there and all that. January 6th, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I want her on the show yeah. if she wants to come on. I, I know, but she hasn't, she, hasn't, she hasn't given any interview to anybody and a lot of the media are begging her to 
get an interview going and all that. So hopefully she'll give us a chance. Uh, she could do, do a Substack one. column if she just wants to write about mm-hmm. it to actually be on a show. That way she can take her time yeah. and say exactly what she wants to say. Yeah. She told me she wasn't ready, but she said, I will, but I'm not ready yet. She's very upset. and just, But she knows a lot of what's going on. The other thing I was thinking in my mind, have you noticed all these tranny movements in the schools, in any places where all this, Dudes are dressed up like women. How mm-hmm. about women dress up like dudes? Have you seen any of that at all? I haven't. No. No, it's. Uh, I'm thinking it's, about it's this. Probably part of the, What's the going de- on? It's probably like the demanding of America. In other words, taking all the real men and getting rid of them. You know, and so so they're trying to redefine man as you know Dylan Mulvaney. You know, we used to make fun of metrosexuals. We used to make fun of transvestites. I like back when we were when we could make fun of all this stuff. Like, remember the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Mm-hmm. The the sweet transvestites mm-hmm. from Transylvania. You know, Tim Curry, all right? <laughs> or or whatever. You know, <laughs> I have my moments, right? Uh, or, or Blazing Saddles. Remember Blazing Saddles, where every other word was the N word, and it was funny. Okay. But you can say that in the 80s. It was hysterical. Uh-huh. Can you imagine watching Bla- – I think they show Blazing Saddles without the N-word. It's hysterical. <laughs> I know. But it's stupid. It's, just, it's like taking all the context I out. I know. It's a stupid movie. I well, know. no, it's a great movie if, with the N-word. Without the N-word, it's nothing. It's, it, it's meaningless because that's the whole but point of the, the film. But it was not a big deal, you know? Exactly. So how come all the now Confederate statues – yeah, when people were still alive who were in the war? You know, you look at most of the Confederate statues and things, they came up – uh, from either the people that fought in the war or the, the, the kids, the next generation of people that fought in the war. Yeah. It's, you know? it's, the, it's our government that's making a big deal. They're uh-huh. trying to separate black people with white and Hispanics and all that. It's yeah. our government because we get along fine with black people and Latino people and all people. We are along. We're the show. Black and black, black and whites will not be marrying each other if they hated each other so much, uh-huh. you know? So this is a government thing. Yeah. But that's part of the thing that Brianna was talking about earlier. It's the separation. But the whole point is to separate people by skin color, by, you know, ethnic group, by things like that. But quite frankly, most Americans, we go about our days fine. I mean, I I don't know how many other people I talk to, especially in San Francisco. And we've talked about this before. Everybody's a minority in San Francisco. So, Mm -hmm. so, and they don't have any race problems. How is it that San Francisco doesn't have race problems and everybody's a minority? Maybe because everybody's a minority. Mm -hmm. You think about it, quarter white, quarter black, quarter Asian, quarter Hispanic, and a few Pacific Islanders thrown in. But that's pretty much it, (laughs) you know, and we all do fine. The problems they have are are in in California and San Francisco are Marxist versus individuals. That's where the problems are. It's not a racial issue because everybody's all mixed. So the idea that white people are afraid of, uh, you know, being the minority, it's a bunch of nonsense. If that were true, there'd be no whites in San Francisco. And yet, (laughs) you know. Uh, we all do fine. But let's talk about the trans issue because, you know, as I said before, it's not people who – see, we, this is why we defined it, and I did this on purpose, to find uh, anybody yeah. who's had uh, surgery to alter their body uh, or drug therapy uh-huh. to alter their body as cosmetic elective surgery for an individual. Now, if you're electing to do cosmetic surgery, first of all, there's no reason for anybody to pay for it. It shouldn't be covered with insurance. But secondly, there's no group here. There's no group. There's no group. First of all, group rights don't count. But there's no civil right issue here. 
if you if you put this, and I'm going to write a bill on this. I'm going to find uh, any surgery, uh, the the removal of body parts and uh, the the uh, uh, taking of injection stuff. To me, it's like Botox and nose jobs. What's the difference between Botox and a nose job, and removing your sex organs, you know, and taking uh, puberty blockers, or not puberty? Those are illegal. Yeah. Um, sex hormone drugs. What's the difference? They're elective cosmetic surgeries for exactly the same reason. Exactly. Why do people take Botox? Mm-hmm. So they look and feel better. You know, why do people try and change their identity and live as the opposite sex? Because they look and feel better. Or maybe they feel better. People take, it, people take Botox, Botox, they look like puppets after a few years. They get addicted. They want more and more and more and more and more and more. It's horrible. Don't they, horrible. Don't they know I had they, a young they're, they're, girl. Uh-huh. I had yeah. a young girl that walked in my store uh, two weeks ago. It's like my husband's like, what the heck is that? And she thought <laughs> she must be like under 30 years old, this woman. Wow. And she has so much Botox that it just didn't look right at all. How can you tell? Because Botox is a neurotoxin. It comes from botulism. Botulism is a neurotoxin. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what Botox is. It's short for botulism toxicity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, toxic. It's, it's, it kills your nerves. If you have bot, you know, when mm-hmm. botulism is, is fatal. If you, have a, you know, if you ever see a, a can, a can of goods, right, and it's kind of puffed up, it's round at the ends, that means there's botulism in there. That means that can is full of a deadly neurotoxin, and if you eat anything in that can, you're going to drop dead on the spot. That's what botulism is. That's why they throw out cans from the stores if they ever get round, you know, at the top and the bottom. It means there's so much bacteria emitting so much gas. It's so dangerous. Uh, you don't even open those cans. You just throw them away. <laughs> you don't take them to the hazmat dump. But that's botulism. And, and why would you inject that into your face? Are, you, are people nuts? Yeah, it kills, they are. It kills the nerves. That's why the wrinkles go, because your nerves are... So you're basically killing yourself with a neurotoxin. Now, are you free to do exactly. that? Well, apparently it's legal, so I'm not going to, you know, I mean, it's, it's personal choice. It's kind of stupid. It's like heroin. You know, it's personal choice to kill yourself. Uh, the problem is if you take other people with you. But think about that. If we can redefine yeah. anything uh, that, that is, quote, trans these days under cosmetic elective surgery, the entire debate changes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What so, do you think? So that, Go ahead. So that means, that means if all the trannies, they they are forcing us to pay for the surgeries. That means all the women right now are getting a booty job. That means we have to pay for their booty too. Because before you know it, uh, okay, if he's getting a free one, how about me? Exactly. And, uh, right now, That's a lot actually... of these women are doing a layaway plan to get their butts <laughs> done. You know. So so what's the difference between a boob job and a butt job, and a uh, you know uh, um, a removal of a body part? So the difference, so in some cases, so let's take boob jobs. So a woman gets a boob job because she wants to look and feel better about herself, right? So a man who wants to be, who wants to live his life as a woman might get a boob job too. What's the difference? It's still elective cosmetic surgery. It's not necessary. So no insurance should pay for it. So by doing this, is, this is part of the reason for doing this. So if you, if you put trans so-called surgery and drugs under cosmetic elective, then, then nobody has to pay for it because it's not a civil right anymore. It's simply elective surgery that you've decided to do as an individual. That's why I think it's so critical to redefine it. Yeah. What do you think? So you're okay. going to write a bill about that? Hell yes. So I did the show on it. <laughs> so I'd have all the information. I could just go back over my show and go, oh, that's a good point, Greg. Yeah. Okay. You know, but yeah. these things all feed on each other. You know, Substack, many of my Substack articles are, are based bills that we've written here or the bills I'm going to write. 
You know, so it's yeah, uh, sounds like a good idea. Well, thank you. I know you have to go I soon. I have to go. I just, get ready. I have to. I didn't get a chance to make my smoothie this morning. I do all uh, natural fruits with honey and uh, all kinds of proteins, mango. I put pineapple. Uh, sometimes if I have papaya, I haven't bought papaya in a few. Yeah, weeks. man. I want to go back to the Caribbean, man. I want to have the smoothie that Josie's talking about. Have a great time. Yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> Yeah. So, and I cooked a huge roast. I was up till two in the morning waiting for it to cook. Oh my god, I oh, started no. too late. <gasps> yeah, and all the vegetables and every good stuff. You have an unroast and roast. White rice, huh? You have an unroast roast. Beef roast. Okay, and you yeah. roast it more. Oh, by the way, I'm going to put a plug in for your honey. Uh, the honey that you guys produce is fabulous. So. You like uh, it? Yeah, I do. It's the best. I haven't tried the green. I haven't tried the green eggs yet. If, if you wonder what I'm talking about, watch our video. <laughs> Just made a video. I'm trying to get everybody in action radio. Eggs. What's that? Yeah, I got a lot of eggs right now, actually. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's, let's give yourself a shameless right. plug. Let's get the plug with all the things yes. you have available. Go ahead. This is for in the Latino report. Um, and you can check me out, uh, Ruth Uniform Shop. I'm there most of the time. Eight five zero four seven eight seven seven five six, and this is in Pensacola, Florida. When I go to the Ukraine, they say, "What? You from Pepsi-Cola? I said, "No." <laughs> Cute. <laughs> All right. God That's bless funny. you. Talk to you next week, and I'll be in Miami in this big event. I'm gonna be yep. meeting a lot of, a lot of people. Hopefully, uh, I'll meet Mike Landell, and uh, I think we're gonna have uh, Robert Jr. with us too. So I'll see what I can do. Well, so, let's get to, let's get all the contacts you can and uh, talk to them. Tell them what we do, and yeah. uh, let's see what happens. And uh, you're our reporter well, at large. Be, so you, you're, you're, you can yeah. say you're the official Action Radio reporter to the Miami Convention. Go for it. Yes. All right. God bless you all. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Sounds good. Thanks, Josie. Bye. This is Greg Penglis. So, what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Joe Biden's Dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. 
This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. And now back to our regularly scheduled program. down to the newsroom. So I tried to do a quick uh, search while all this other stuff was going on about uh, the racial makeup of the J6 prisoners. I'll find that out because I think that's, that's going to be fascinating for us to, uh, uh, to look into. But I've got a bunch of, of different stories here. So what happened, I guess, a few days ago, uh, and I didn't see this with a conservative group, so obviously they don't particularly care about it, which is part of the problem, but uh, E-Verify, in other words, electronic verification of, of people to work legally in the United States uh, is something we've had for supposedly, I don't know, what, 15 years maybe? Um, but it's not, it's, not, it's not working because nobody, I think, really enforces it. So the idea is, uh, unless you're, they already know you're an American. <laughs> so the industries where they know you're not an American, they're not enforcing it. But the industries where they know that you are an American, they do enforce it so they, they can show that they're in compliance, right? So if, if you walk in, you know, talking like an American, you know, and, and you know, looking like an American, which is, you know, um, that's probably a bad way to put it because people say, well, that's racial, Greg. No, I mean, the, you know, Americans who are Americans, we, we look American. Trust me, you go to Europe, they can tell the Americans. I don't care what race you are. They know. Anyway, but the point is that if you walk in speaking, you know, American English without an accent uh, or maybe have like a Southern or New England or California or somewhere Midwest accent, you know, they're going to verify you because they're pretty sure that you're a citizen. You know, it's pretty obvious to tell. Now, if you work at a construction site or a farm <laughs> or many other places, you know, where illegal aliens work, uh, they're not going to use E-Verify, most likely. Uh, and you're going to find people that don't speak English and that, uh, you know, have no concept of what it means to be an American. Uh, and, and yet, you know, <laughs> there they are working. So that's where it's not being verified. So that's the problem. So Florida passed a bill. Apparently, a couple of years ago, they passed E-Verify, uh, electronic verification of government employees. Oh, boy, isn't that special? Uh, and apparently there was a much stronger bill in the Florida legislature this session, although I never heard about it, um, to pass uh, E-Verify for, for private companies. But what they did was they actually limited uh, to uh, companies over tw- with over 25 employees, which would include most of the big housing developers that are totally uh, destroying and paying off our county supervisors here in Santa Rosa, uh, Florida. So I found a, a background here from the National Law Review, and this is dated Monday, May 8th. So yesterday was pretty good. Say the ninth already? Yes, it is the 9th already. Okay. I changed the date on my show. I, I was really behind today. Anyway, E-Verify. It says, uh, Florida Senate passes bill requiring state employers with 25 or more employees to use platform effective July 1st. So um, I'm hoping DeSantis signs this. I think he's going to. He's probably going to have a party, probably gather his friends around, you know, and everybody will speculate, is he running for president? Is he running for president? Uh, I would say no. I think he likes the idea of people thinking he's running for president more than he actually is intending to run for president. Uh, I think that would be stupid. I think that he knows he would waste all his resources against Donald Trump and still lose when he could save those resources for an open uh, Republican uh, seat or open Republican White House uh, in 2028. 
And I think that's going to that's going to be the interesting race to watch to see which of the uh, uh, the young deep state uh, Republicans you know compete for uh, the office against the uh, the young uh, America First uh, Republicans. So we shall go with that. Anyway, there's no author to this article. Just this National Law Review is the website. You verify Florida Senate passes bill requiring state employers with 25 or more employees to use platform effective July 1st. Article says Florida may soon enact significant legislation relating to immigration. Uh, actually, it's related to legally working in the United States. It's not an immigration bill, idiots. That's part of the problem. Then it says the bill, which the Senate passed uh, April 28th, so not, not that long ago, among other things, includes a requirement that private employers with more than 25 employees use the federal government's E-Verify system for newly hired employees beginning July 1st, 2023. E-Verify is an online system that determines employment eligibility by comparing an employee's information with government records initially launched in 1996. So that would have been uh, the end of Bill Clinton's first term. Interesting, huh? So why is a federal government program have to be implemented by the states? That's my first question. Um, it, it makes no sense. Uh, but yeah, that's what's happening because the states are going to implement this with varying degrees um, of success or, or, or strictness or, or compliance and uh, leniency. That's what's going to happen. The other question is, why is it a federal uh, program in the first place? Because the federal government doesn't regulate employment. It's not in the Constitution. So, so, so the, the, and that, you can challenge it on that basis. That shouldn't even be a federal program. You know, but, the, but my question is, since it is a federal program, uh, and it, you know, where's the where's the federal state interaction here? Did the federal government say it's it's a really cool idea if you guys do e-verify, or did they say we're going to seize your highway funds unless you do e-verify? So then I don't know yet. So I'm going to look more into this. Anyway, next paragraph: Florida's e-verify laws have a relatively recent history, with the state's initial requirements for public employers, in other words, the government and contractors, to use I guess that would be people on government contract you know, whatever they do, GSA construction, that kind of stuff. Contractors to use the E-Verify system beginning January 1st, 2021. Well, it's two years ago. <laughs> it's nothing, right? So they started this in 1996, and Florida didn't get around to it until 2021. That's a problem. Then the 2021 law requires every public employer, contractor, and subcontractor to use the E-Verify system to verify the work authorization status of all newly hired employees. Well, that's another problem. Why are you only verifying the newly hired employees? Why aren't you verifying everybody? You know, I mean, that's, that's a huge issue right there. So I don't have a lot of faith in the E-Verify system, which is why I wrote uh, uh, with Dave Jones, our, our Santa Rosa County Illegal Alien Free Zone. And before that, I wrote the, uh, the Illegal Alien Civil Asset Forfeiture Bill, which is a national bill. Let's proceed further and see if I can derive and glean any other uh, brilliance from this thing. Da, 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 da. All right, so where do we go? New hires. It's a new hire. Okay, with the passage of this most recent legislation, the requirement would, if signed into law, and that's up to, to Governor De Sanctimonious, <laughs> according to Trump, sorry, had to say it, uh, would extend to private employers, so 25 or more employees, uh, that would be required to verify employment el- eligibility of their new employees using the E-Verify system. Well, what, what qualifies as new? Three months, six months, a year, two years, five years? What's new? I got to look at that up too. It says under the proposed legislation, failure to correctly use the E-Verify system would carry considerable considerable consequences. Well, that sounds very very draconian. With potential Florida Department of Economic Opportunity fines of one thousand dollars per day until the employer provided sufficient proof to the department that the noncompliance was resolved. One thousand dollars per day. So if you're a major developer of Florida housing. And you've got illegal aliens working all 
over the state of Florida to handle this amazing growth. Do you think for a second that $1,000 compared to the cost of, of what should be hiring legal Americans to do these jobs, do you think they care about $1,000 per day? And that's not even if it's enforced. Do you think they care at all about this? And I would say no. So in other words, it's a bill without being a bill. It's a law without being a law. It's enforcement without any enforcement. In other words, it's moot. It's meaningless. It's stupid. It's, it's uh, propaganda. It's like we're going to show you we're going to do something without actually doing something. $1,000 per day should be $100,000 per day, minimum. Or it should be uh, 10% of the net profits in any year. You know, and then for the second day, it should be 20%. You know, the third day, it should be 30%. Pretty soon, you run out of percent. Pretty soon you get to about 100% about five days. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're going to have penalties, make real penalties. Now, my solution, as always, is not $1,000 per day. It's full asset forfeiture. Civil asset forfeiture. You want to stop illegal aliens being hired, you seize the company. You tell everybody in advance, you've got 15 days to get rid of all your illegals. Maybe 30 days. Maybe I'll, make a 30, I'll be generous. Make it 30 days. At that point, your company will be seized. Everything. All assets, all bank accounts, all credit cards, all vehicles. You know, everything is going to be seized. If you're employing illegal aliens within 30 days and we find one, you're going to lose your company. That is enforcement. And that's what our bill calls for. But we call for it nationally as well as uh, locally to create illegal alien-free zones. That's how you handle this. Then it says the rationale behind Florida's E-Verify requirements aligns with other federal and state laws that prohibit employing individuals who are not authorized to work in the United States. Well, if they're not authorized to work in the United States, they're probably not authorized to be in the United States. And if they're not authorized to be in the United States, you don't need to E-Verify. You just need to deport them. Well, it's still asset forfeiture, though. It still sees every asset they have so they don't come back. And that's how you do it. This is these laws are designed to ensure that only people legally eligible to work in the United States are employed and that employers who violate these laws risk significant penalties and other consequences. Well, show me one significant penalty and show me one other consequence. I don't see one. So who's legal to work in the United States? American citizens, lawful permanent residents, and temporary visa holders. That's it. And actually, migrants, the true definition of migrant, the real definition it's people that are invited to come here to work a job that go home. Brandon hasn't brought in a single migrant that I know of. What he's done is brought in illegal aliens by the, by the flood. Okay, Pastor, let me get to, let me get to the, the, the bad news. <laughs> uh, let's go to Cato. <laughs> Cato's a libertarian institute. And it says, why E-Verify is failing. E-Verify allows politicians to have it both ways. Supporting it makes them look tough on illegal immigration. Okay, that's a contradiction. There's no such thing as illegal immigration because illegal aliens are not immigrants. This is, illegal aliens are not an immigration problem. They're a crime problem. Okay? They're, they're an international crime problem. I'm going to start using that term. International criminal. So I'm going to put the new definition. I'm going to write this in my, add this to my book. So illegal alien, illegal alien. Good thing I have a gel pen. It writes fast. Equals international criminal. National. I'm just writing. I'll be right back. Criminal. All right. So there you go. E-Verify allows politicians to have it both ways. Supporting it makes them look tough on alien, illegal aliens, while the fact is it's so easy to evade uh, means the local businesses and economies are already, are largely unaffected. This is from October 29th, 2019. Commentary by Alex Norasteth. <laughs> I'm going to better spell this one. Alex, you know that. A-L-E-X. N-O-W-R-A-S-T-E-H, Noraste. 
sounds like namaste, which is thank you in, uh, I guess, uh, Indian. October 29th is a significant date for those that know about the uh, about Black Monday when the stock market crashed in 1930 or 1929. So this is 2019. So this is uh, yeah, 90 years later. Interesting. Okay. Article says, politicians of stripes have rallied around the federal government's E-Verify system as a low-cost and effective way to keep underground, oh, excuse me, undocumented immigrants, in other words, illegal aliens. There's no such thing as an undocumented immigrant. If you're an immigrant, then you've been invited into the country which means you've proven who you are. You have documentation. If you're, and nobody is undocumented because everybody who says, oh, I don't have an ID, means they lost it, burned it, threw it out, got rid of it or something like that. But everybody is born in the world today. That birth is recorded somewhere. You are documented. In fact, Pianchi used to tell me that uh, you know, people use their family Bibles to record births. That's documented. Official, official government record? Not sure. But now, but everybody is documented, and only legal people can be immigrants. Just want to make that clear. Then it says, uh, it says so illegal aliens out of the United States. Congress needs to reauthorize E-Verify this fall when funding for the government runs out. <laughs> it's about to run out June 1st, too. That's another story. Between now and then, members of Congress need to take a serious look at this failed program. Well, let's find out why. E-Verify is a database system that checks identities of newly hired workers against government records. Well, the first thing you do is verify it with the ITIN number the individual tax identification number, which is the Bill Clinton get out of free card stick around if you want, if you pay taxes program. So in other words, illegal aliens get an ITIN number so they can pay taxes and think they can buy their way into staying here illegally. Okay, that's a bunch of nonsense. What I would do is take all the people on the ITIN number and seize their assets immediately overnight on a massive supercomputer raid from the IRS and say, okay, sorry, you're in the country illegally. You're, you're, you're engaged in it. You're an international criminal. And so we're going to seize all your assets if you want them back or part of them back. <laughs> in fact, that might be incentive. Say, so, okay, fine. You know, when the left goes apoplectic over this idea of civil asset forfeiture, we'll say, you know what? We'll deposit their assets back in, in the bank of their choice in their home country. Part of them. <laughs> you know, a small part of them, maybe 30%. Hey, sorry, ill goods. I mean, you know, if you're a drug dealer, they don't even give you that much back. They don't give you anything back. So I, I would put a, a, find a partial amount to go back in their home country, certainly less than 40%. Anyway, back to the, uh, this, this wimpy article. E-Verify is a database that checks identities. Employers are supposed to, our employers are supposed to, I would underline supposed to, fire new employees if the system flags them as being in the United States illegally. In this way, the program is supposed to, there's that word again, supposed to, two words, turn off the jobs magnet that attracts undocumented immigrants, excuse me, illegal aliens, to work here illegally in the first place. My words, to work here illegally. In the first place, proponents of the system believe that without the jobs magnet, illegal immigration would stop. I'm going to start saying illegal aliens. Uh, no, it won't stop because what's bringing them in now is, is uh, welfare. In other words, illegal alien welfare is the biggest draw because, as I said, and as I heard from people that are actually there on the border, these people are not coming in to, for a better life. They're coming in to take your better life. That's what's going on. Back to the article. E-Verify's theoretical simplicity is one reason why it was initially so popular in some southern states and in Arizona. What happened to the South in Arizona? Anyway, what, what, where's, the, where's the vote fraud taking place? Mostly Arizona. <laughs> you know, a once proud uh, conservative American patriotic state. Then it says if a quick computer check could accurately tell whether a worker is an undocumented immigrant, in other words, an illegal alien, uh, then worker workplace raids, mass roundups of un, excuse me, illegal aliens, and a massive deportation force becomes unnecessary. Most would just self-deport. In the famous words of Senator Mitt Romney, <laughs> while he was presidential candidate in 2012. 
Okay? He says, that's the theory. Well, well, first of all, if that were true, then they wouldn't come here in the first place for a job. All right? So, so obviously it's not working. If you want people to self-deport, you seize all their assets. That will do it. Uh, and what's wrong with rounding people up? First of all, it's expensive. So the whole point of civil asset forfeiture is you seize everything by computer. You take all their stuff by computer. You don't have to round up anybody. So rather than e-verify, so here's the problem. It says an employers are supposed to check if new employees, if they're flagged by the system. But is there any compliance requirement on the employer once they find out somebody doesn't comply with e-verify because they're a new legal alien? Uh, is there any penalty on the company for hiring them anyway? I don't think so. I don't see one in the article. And these are the folks who are against it. <sighs> you know, according to Mitt Romney, that's funny. Pianchi, was that you? Yeah, you know, I'll tell you something else, too. Uh, sure. Uh-huh. Whatever aid, the countries that these people are coming from, mm-hmm. whatever U.S. aid that was scheduled to go to those countries on humanitarian reasons, mm-hmm. the amount that these illegals are costing the U.S., that should be deducted to any proposed aid that would have went to that country. I mean, why would you pay twice? And like you say, they're here. Now what? You can't work. And if you do work, it's a criminal matter. Therefore, Mm -hmm. the state should be able to take care of it. Well, I mean, my bill covers civil, actually it covers at the county level. I mean, our first bill, the Santa Rosa Illegal Alien Free Zone Bill, covers illegal aliens at the county level. The county sheriff can seize all their stuff because they're criminals. So again, the, so it comes to the politics of crime. I think, I think we're really onto something with that thought um, because uh, – let me see, I'll just go right down one more thing and get the bill. So here's, you know, here's what I wrote down based on what you're saying. Aid to any country uh, as source of illegals gets a bill, not foreign aid. Let me put there, not foreign aid. Not foreign aid. Foreign aid. Well, it should so be think, deducted but, from any proposed aid because if you send them a bill, they just laugh at it. But if you don't send them the money in the beginning by deducting, well, you are ahead. You're keeping your money in your pocket. No, you do both. What you do is, is that you, you immediately eliminate aid from any country uh, who's, sending their illegal, who's sending their citizens here, their citizens, or allowing their citizens to, to stay here without – you know, finding them massive amounts for being outside the country. See, these countries are affected too. Yes, I know they're, they're getting rid of their prisoners and they're, they're getting rid of their welfare people, but there's also a brain drain because a lot of people can make more money in the United States than they can in, say, Honduras, Guatemala, Nicaragua, some of these other – well, Nicaragua is different. They're communist. Um, but the thing is you cut off all foreign aid. So the first place you do is you cut off any aid. Uh, in fact, I would even uh, – for a country as big as Mexico, I would even cut off business transactions, importations. Yeah, you remember when, when Trump said that, uh, you know, Mexico, you've got to take your illegal aliens back? And they said, we're not going to do that. And said, okay, fine. I'm going to put a, you know, a, a 25% tariff on all the cars made in Mexico, uh, even on American companies coming in the United States. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah, we'll take our illegals back. Remember that story? He, he tells it at the rallies. We do the exactly the same thing for every country. So, look, if you're, if you're yeah, supplying right. illegal aliens, yeah, if you supply illegal aliens in any significant number from your country, you know, then we're going to cut off all foreign aid. Of course, we should cut off foreign aid anyway, but that's, that's another story. But if they cut off all foreign aid and send a bill, you know, bill, in fact, if we seize all their assets, here's what you do. We can seize all their assets uh, and use that, you know, as money to deport, to strengthen ICE. I have another idea, too. I haven't, I haven't floated this on the show yet. But uh, one of the proposals of one of my Substack articles is going to be turning the entire federal government into ICE. So you've got 287,000 armed bureaucrats, right? 
87000 for the IRS, 200000 in justice, EPA, education, NOAA, you know, the Mint, you know, the Capitol Hill Police, uh, all these different agencies, uh, the, you know, that have uh, – there's, there's like 30 different what, federal police forces, right? Send them all, all to the entire border. You, so instead of – and that does include the military. We should send there also. So if you take 287,000 um, armed federal bureaucrats and you detail them, it's called. Jonathan taught us this. Remember, he said you can detail them. You can say, okay, I, I know you work for uh, the IRS, but we're going to detail you to the Border Patrol or we're going to detail you to ICE. They can do that. They can transfer people. The president can do that. They can transfer people within the government. They do it all the time. They detail people. So you detail the entire armed force of the federal government with their 287,000 bureaucrat infantry, their half a million to a million guns, and their billions of rounds of ammunition, and you put them on the southern border. Or you, you detail them to ICE. And instead of enforcing DOJ uh, illegal activities against political prisoners, American citizens, they actually go after the illegal aliens. I'll tell you, they would self-deport. If you combine civil asset forfeiture with – go ahead. Go ahead. Being that the United Nations is encouraging this, deduct any dues that you have to pay to the United Nations. Say, okay, United Nations, being that you're not uh, coming up with a way to take care of these people that's being mistreated in their own country to the point mm-hmm. that they want to leave, uh, if they come to the U.S., mm-hmm. we're going to deduct from what payments we give the United Nations and use it to uh, tend to these people. Now, see, I would get that. I would break them. I, I would, I would, uh, I would deny them access to. I would close down the buildings in the, in the UN. I would, I would turn it over to the, uh, the, the, the Department of Free Markets, or you know, that's what I would do. I would take the UN buildings and sell them. You know, give them to Donald Trump. He's a real estate agent, right? Uh, or just put them on the market. But you close down the UN, the United States. You pull the United States completely out of anything UN because they're far too dangerous. They're all just the global government. Uh, pull out of NATO, same thing. Completely, you know, NATO was obsolete as soon as, as soon as Gorbachev you know, presided over the, uh, uh, basically the destruction of the Soviet Union. You know, when it became the, the Russian Federation, said, okay, there is no Soviet Union. NATO's existence was to combat the Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union ceased to exist, the reason for NATO ceased to exist. So you pull out, you get rid of NATO, get rid of most of our foreign bases. Here's an idea for you I think you're going to like. I was thinking about this too, that if we take most of the army and you close all the foreign bases, I mean, where, how, how, where do you really need an army? Do we need an army in Iraq? No. Do we need an army in Afghanistan? No. Do we need an army in Korea or Vietnam? No. We haven't really needed a big army since World War II. So what I'm thinking is you boost the National Guards, the State National Guards, make it uh, illegal for them to be you know, um, taken over by the federal government unless there's a de- declaration of war from Congress. See, that would be the exception. And that we have most of our military in the State National Guards that the states could use independently. That's your military. How's that for an idea? Yeah, it needs to be amended to the Constitution, maybe. I, I got I to I think that one through. Huh. Oh, we got uh, B-Y-Z Pence. <laughs> this is one of our comments on live chat. He says NATO equals OTAN. I guess that's NATO spelled backwards. So I'm not sure what that is, but uh, yeah. But the point is, oh, it's, oh, here's one. Here's a comment from our, our one of our uh, live chat. Try to forfeit my property on my own property and see what happens to you. Well, uh, see what happens to you, pal. <laughs> if you're if you're conducting an illegal operation, if you have a crack house on your property, your property is forfeit. 
your bank accounts, cars, credit cards, everything is forfeit. If, you've got a, if you're engaged in illegal activity, now if you're an American citizen, that has to come after conviction. Due process, search warrants, court trials, all that kind of stuff. That's how that works. But if you're an illegal alien, you have no rights in this country because you're not allowed to be here. When you can't rights in a place, you're not allowed to be. So illegal alien asset forfeiture is simply throwing a computer switch. That's easy. Anyway, live chat's pretty active if anybody wants to take a look at it. So those are my ideas. So in other words, boost the, the state national guards because the states are independent countries, as we've talked about. So shouldn't they have an independent military? I mean, they already do with the national guard. But why not, why not take mo- put most of our military resources into state national guards? That's what I'm saying. And then if we have a declared war, that's different. Now, the Navy is a different story. I can see needing a Navy, but aircraft carriers are obsolete. And they have been since, uh, you know, the missiles, probably about the last 10 to 20 years. The aircraft carriers have been obsolete because of missiles. Remember the coal, the destroyer that was shot, that, that was almost sunk by a missile? By a French Exocet missile? Because, and it was almost sunk because the captain didn't have the gun turned on that, that you know, blows up missiles before they hit the ship? Idiot. Anyway, we're digressing away from the main topic, but there's a lot of things to be done. Get out of NATO, cut off all foreign aid to any country that is allowing their citizens to, to come to the United States without doing something about it, and build them. Build them for whatever charges uh, they cost us, maybe in terms of prison. Send them a prison bill. So all the Haitians, Guatemalans, Mexicans, Chinese, <laughs> you know, Philippine folks, um, Irish, I mean, anybody who's illegally here... Trust me, New England, Boston has a legal Irish problem. Um, but anybody who's here illegally, bill the country for the cost of, of their illegals. Why not? Bianchi? Well, yeah, you can bill them, but I would withhold what you would give them. Mm-hmm. Practically every country in their, on the planet, the United States gives some form of aid to in order to address the problem that these people that's coming through the border claim they're running from. Well, that means that the money that your government is getting to address that problem, they're not using it right. So why would we give it to them if they're not using it right? And why would you pay them twice? You pay them the money, they're not using it right, then you come into the U.S. with nothing, and you want us to take care of you. It ain't going to work. It shouldn't work like that. So I'm writing down foreign aid plus illegals. Equals paying twice. That's actually a really good uh, term. I'll probably steal that and use it in the Substack article. It's exactly paying, actually paying three times if you have to educate their kids. Let's send our homeless down there to those countries. Yeah, well, um, but I still believe the answer, you know, in all the bills that we write here, I always try to do, uh, uh, keep a couple of things. One, uh, if at all possible, the bill doesn't have a budget. I don't think any of our bills requires a budget. All they require is a change in law. They're all self-funding, whether it's big tech censorship, vaccine uh, product liability, constitutional amendment, take away the power of Congress to money. All the things that we do here are self-funding. They don't require any additional employees. They don't require any uh, bureaucratic agencies. They don't require a budget. They don't require anything. They're basically free, and they will save trillions of dollars, most of the things that we're talking about here. So if we end foreign aid, if we put a moratorium, if we put a 10-year uh, moratorium on all foreign aid, or have a moratorium on foreign aid until our illegals are gone, Ooh, there's a good one. Moratorium. Do you like that idea, Pianchi? Locate those people that's uh, 
transporting <clears throat> illegals and charging them, locate them, and uh, take their money. Uh, that's 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 a, that's a part of a solution. I like to think of a bigger solution. But if we have a, if we stop all foreign aid until our eagles are gone, and Trump did do that, by the way. Yeah, he, Trump he only did it partially. Foreign aid to countries tremendously. Yeah, but he didn't go far enough, and Congress should have backed him up. See, one of the biggest problems in the Trump first term is that the the, the GOP geldings didn't back him up. Well, that's not his fault. No, I'm not blaming Trump for that. That's I'm blaming, I'm blaming the gelding Congress folks. Yeah, that's the people for for letting their Congress yeah. people run completely all while. Exactly, it's the state's fault too, and it's the county faults and the city fault. You know, because any any county sheriff, right, it is state's fault. Yeah, any county sheriff and any state law enforcement agency can confiscate by whatever means. They're actually showing up at the door and taking stuff, or by computer can seize anything from any illegal alien because they're criminals. Not not because <laughs> immigration you're in Canada uh-huh. and you go on through the airport and you got a lot of money. They would confiscate that money until you prove that it was legally obtained. Not guilty not innocent until proven guilty, but you're guilty until proven innocent. See that was the problem here too. That was the problem with asset forfeiture. This is why, if you read my asset forfeiture bill, it very carefully explains that in the United States, especially during the 80s, you know, I'm, I'm watching all the reruns in Miami Vice and my Roku. It's kind of fun. Um, but you, you want, you, um, at that time, asset forfeiture was done uh, and money was given to police departments and they were using it to buy their own boats and Ferraris and you know, uh, machine guns and things like that and, and uh, armored personnel carriers and everything else that they had. All, most of the SWAT teams and all that technology, a lot of that came from the militarization of the police came from a lot of asset forfeiture of American citizens without due process. Well, that's unconstitutional. The American citizens have constitutional rights. You have, I, mean, I have no problem seizing the assets of criminals, but you have to pick them first. Because the whole point of our Bill of Rights, do you know like four of the Bill of Rights, four out of six of the Bill of Rights deal with the rights of the accused? That's how important this is. All right? It is that important that four of our rights, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, deal with the rights of the accused. Maybe the eighth, too. Maybe it's five of them. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Because like half the Bill of Rights is dedicated to the rights of the accused. You know, the first one, freedom of speech. Second one, Second Amendment. Third one, quartering soldiers. Not too much applies. Fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, rights of the accused. Ninth is that uh, the Constitution, the enumeration of rights does not, limit, does not eliminate other rights held by the people. Those are just the ones that are specifically prohibited for government to touch. And the Tenth Amendment, anything not in the Constitution, belongs to the states and the people. That's the Bill of Rights. That's what it is. But the Fourth, Fifth, Sixth, Seventh, and Eighth are dedicated to the rights of the accused, which applies to American citizens. It does not apply to illegal aliens because they can't be here. I should go over the Bill of Rights real quickly. Let me get the fourth one just to refresh people's memory. Fourth Amendment, right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable, which means warrantless, which means a search without a warrant, searches and seizures. Amendment five, no person shall be held to answer a witness against themselves, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. Amendment six, right of all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall have a speedy trial. Okay. Uh, Seventh Amendment, common lawsuits, over $20, which I I did an inflation check from 1913. $20 would be about $600 today. So any lawsuit over $600 guaranteed a civil trial. Amendment eight, excessive bail shall not be required, nor cruel and unusual punishment. Okay, so fourth through eighth amendments have to do with uh, 
the accused in the case of, yeah, excessive bail. Uh, and then, of course, the convicted is the last part, cruel and unusual punishment. That's half our Bill of Rights, folks. Getting back to you, verify. Comment, Pianchi? I'm going to go back to uh, kind of on a roll here this morning. No, no comment. I've got okay. to cut out. Oh, too bad. All right. That's a good well, idea. Just need to put it in effect. Yeah, I'm working on it. You know, I need a staff. I need a staff so I can write bills instead of fussing around with administrative stuff. All right, let me continue on with this. And then uh, if anybody else wants to join us, 215-383-3832, you can call in the live chat. And I'm going to go check the Skype account after the show and see if anybody else has decided they want to call us internationally. That's how, uh, that's how that works. All right. Congress has not – oh, here we go. Let's get back to our E-Verify. This is the Cato article. So just to refresh, why E-Verify is failing. October 29th, 2019, commentary by Alex Norasta, N-O-W-R-A-S-T-E-H. And though he says, uh, Congress has not mandated E-Verify nationwide, but states have been experimenting with it as an immigration enforcement tool for more than a decade. It's not an immigration enforcement tool. It is a criminal prevention tool. That's what it is. And this is in these cases, it's preventing criminals from stealing jobs and stealing money and stealing property and stealing all kinds of things from Americans and uh, from the government and from the taxpayers and everybody else. So it's a theft prevention. It's a prevention of people being here, working here illegally. But it's not an immigration. This is immigration is for people who are coming here legally. That's why it's not immigration. You've got to separate the two. Just like when we talk about the Second Amendment, you have to separate the use of a firearm you know, from the Second Amendment, which prevents the government from touching in any way your right to keep and bear arms. Totally different from people using firearms. It's a completely different question. All right, here we go. So it says, uh, in these cases, back to the article, state-level employers were required to run the identity information provided by new hires through the online E-Verify website and then wait for the government permission to keep the worker on the payroll. The first state to mandate E-Verify for all new hires was Arizona in 2008. Uh, former Arizona Republican State Senator Richard Rich Crandall said E-Verify was promised as the silver bullet to immigration problems. E-Verify was going to solve our challenges with immigration. Not immigration. <laughs> we explained that. Terrified by the prospect of an effective E-Verify program, about 17% of Arizona's undocumented immigrant population, in other words, illegal aliens, left the state in response to its implementation. Well, let me read that again. That is key. And this is about the article where we talked about it's failing, right? Let's say that again. 17% of Arizona's illegal aliens left the state when Arizona got E-Verified. Well, how successful was that nationwide? So in other words, you don't need to round people up. You don't need to break down doors. You don't need to terrorize little kids. What you do is you have civil asset forfeiture. So it's like E-Verify extended civil asset forfeiture. And millions of illegal aliens will leave because they don't want to lose all their property. Simple as that. No rounding up, no guns, no raids at night. Just flip the computer switch. Everybody with an ITIN number. Here we go. Then it says, but the exodus slowed after E-Verify went into effect because workers and businesses figured how to get around it. Workers and businesses. In other words, illegal aliens and illegally operating companies figured how to get around it. And this is the problem. It says those lessons quickly spread to other states where E-Verify was mandated, like Mississippi, whose illegal alien population has remained roughly constant for a decade. Well, isn't that special? So in other words, the government knows exactly how many illegal aliens there are. They just don't want to do anything about it. In fact, they're bringing in more. So how would they know that the illegal population of, of Mississippi was constant and the illegal population of Arizona went down 17%? Which means they know who they are. So that's why we should have an illegal alien census. 
Anyway, it says in August, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, otherwise known as ICE, agents raided several meat processing plants in Mississippi and detained 680 illegal aliens, eventually letting 300 go. Well, if E-Verify was the silver bullet program sold to state legislatures like Rich Crandall, then ICE raids should not have been necessary as illegal aliens, my words, would never have been employed in the first place. Exactly right. So in other words, they don't care. This is a program without being a program. So, so Florida basically passed a feel-good, useless, and moot measure uh, to sort of placate voters, but it's actually not going to really do anything, whereas my bill, a civil asset forfeiture, would. Then it says illegal alien workers get around E-Verify mandates in several ways. The first is by taking advantage of E-Verify's biggest weakness. It checks the identification papers, not the worker. Let me say that again. It checks the identification papers, not the worker. Thus, an illegal alien can pass an E-Verify check if he hands somebody else's identification to the employer. How about fake IDs? So you're not checking the person, you're checking the papers they present. So obviously, if you're an illegal alien, you're going to have fraudulent documents. In fact, there, there, are, there are mills cranking out Social Security cards all the time. This is easy to do. Or you take somebody else's ID or a cousin who is, who is legal, you know, eh, employ my cousin, you know, and then it's just a fraud. This is thus the illegal alien worker can pass you verify if he hands somebody else's ID to his employer. According to an audit for, for the federal government conducted by Westat, don't know who that is, W-E-S-T-A-T, about 54% of illegal alien workers are approved to work by E-Verify. So that's over half of the illegal aliens are approved by E-Verify. Well, I would accept a, an error rate of, of like 1%. I would accept that. If 99% of the illegals are caught, asset forfeited, and, de- and deported, that, that's okay. I, that 1% is acceptable. Nothing above 1% is acceptable. 54% is, is makes it, no, proves that this is useless. Then it says the workers sometimes steal IDs, but many also borrow them from friends or family members. The story of the young illegal alien uh, named Manuel explains how so-called identity loans work. Identity loans? I've never heard that term. Manuel needed identification to work in the unionized construction industry in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, where they really check IDs. Yeah, right. I've been there. I lived there 30 years. He says he contacted an uncle in Mexico who obtained a Social Security number in the early 1970s, but then returned to Mexico permanently. Oh, it's probably still getting Social Security. I bet you that person is still getting Social Security fraudulently. Why, why else would you keep your Social Security card, right? So free welfare, right? So the uncle let Manuel use his Social Security number and forge a new green card with his uncle's name. Hmm. Since there's no victim of this kind of, no victim of this kind of fraud, yes, there is, identity loans are extremely difficult to stop. No, they're not. But workers aren't the only ones who have figured out how to fool E-Verify. Many businesses also are adept at doing it also. This is the easiest way is just to not use E-Verify. <laughs> there you go. Because there's no penalty for not using it. There's only a penalty uh, for the companies that, you know, I guess, well, this is $1,000 know, a day. Uh, but that's nothing. That's not a penalty. That's a gift. This is the easiest way is just to not use E-Verify. In Mississippi, for instance, only about half of all new hires were even run through the system even though 100% were supposed to be cleared. E-Verify use rates in, in, in the other states where it's mandated are much better. So as I said before, what you do is you E-Verify the people you know are Americans you know, by the look, actions, lack of an accent, the speaking of English, you know, things like that. You can tell Americans pretty easily. It's not that hard. Like I say, go to Europe. 
You know, you take a bunch of white Americans, a bunch of white Europeans. So if you're if they're only testing about half the people, I guarantee you the half they're testing are people they pretty much are assured are Americans. I get tested when I get for jobs I've had last 20 years. I always get e-verified, but they already know I'm an American. But I could be a Canadian illegal. How would they know? You know, unless they verified. Well, I wonder what they do if they found out. Uh, now, as a Canadian, I could work here because I was a permanent resident. So I was always legal to work in this country. Once I got my green card, that was, and I got my green card as a kid, so I was a minor at the time. So I was always legal to work here. So, but immigrants are permanent residents are legal to work here. You know, but uh, it would have been interesting if they. I wonder how many. What the? I don't think they're e-verifying when I was a kid before I got my American citizenship. Anyway, it didn't matter. My e-verify is going to come out fine. I've got my citizenship papers. I've got my passport. You know, I pass all that kind of stuff. So they don't use it. All right. So many employers. Back to the article. Right? Many employers use e-verify, but look the other way. Their job is not to inspect documents, which can open them up to potential discrimination claims. Well, how can that be possible? What is it? Well, you only check the people you thought were illegal? No, you check everybody. That's the whole purpose of it. You check everybody. That's, that's okay by the 14th Amendment. As long as you're checking everybody, you know, all the new hires. And I would check all the employees, quite frankly. I would check everybody for citizenship. Um, but as long as you're checking everybody and you're treating everybody equally, then you have no 14th Amendment problem. It's not discrimination. It's only discrimination if you single people out. Then it says, but they're not often not interested in doing so anyway. Many of the hires in Mississippi actually were wearing ice ankle bracelets, <laughs> a sign they had entered the country illegally and were awaiting, awaiting a deportation hearing and theoretically should not have been permitted to work. Oh, that's hysterical. That is hysterical that illegal aliens are being hired with an E-Verify program while they still have their ankle bracelets. That's funny. This is one, uh, one illegal alien worker with an ankle tracking device after the Mississippi raid said that she's waiting for everything to go back to normal because then a company may take her on again. Oh, yeah, exactly. See, they know. They just wait. They outwait. Okay. Then it says business. Here's the bright part. Businesses have every reason to avoid E-Verify. So far, no executives have been charged by the federal government for illegally employing workers. Yeah, see, that's, that's, this is where jail time is good. See, jail time doesn't affect poor people as much because they get fed and clothing and, you know, and uh, if they're, they're destitute and poor and, you know, hopelessly in debt, you know, you can go to jail, right? So, you, so like, you're free from all of your obligations while in jail because the state's taking care of you or the feds. However, if you're a high executive, if you start arresting um, the head of, um, I don't know, you should arrest union people too. If you, if, E-Verify should also apply to union membership. I wonder if it does. I'm put that E-Verify, E-Verify, because, e, because unions represent workers and you can't work unless you're legal. Verify should cover unions. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Should cover unions. All the fun, all the bills I'm talking about today, unions. Anyway, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Um, <laughs> but the fact they're wearing bra- illegal alien bracelets, <laughs> ankle bracelets, and they're still being hired, that's insane. Then it says businesses have a reason for it. Verify, so far no executives have been charged. Okay, so l- l- let's pick a big uh, McDonald's. So if you arrest the CEO of McDonald's, if, they're, if McDonald's employs illegal aliens, uh, Home Depot, you know, where all the illegal aliens hang out front, you know, waiting for jobs, uh, go to construction sites because the contractors had to pick up their building supplies, and then they pick up the illegal aliens in the truck and off they go. So, so let's arrest the, uh, the store managers at Home Depot where illegal aliens are, are, uh, are employed. Not just shopping, because shopping, you know, that, you can still deport the illegal aliens for being, just for being here. But if they're actually employed by Home Depot, you know, or any, pick any company, any company you want. Uh, any of the, we've we got some big housing construction companies here. Adams Homes, D.H. Horton, they're national companies, right? 
So let's check them. Let's see if they have any illegal aliens working on uh, construction. Seize the company. Put the, put the CEO in jail. CEO is responsible, just like the pilot is responsible for the airplane. The captain is responsible for the ship. The CEO is responsible for the company. If they're employing illegal aliens, then uh, or just the district managers, VPs, I don't care. Go all the way down. Supervisors, local on-site managers, arrest them all. I don't care. Asset forfeiture them. Throw them in jail. Don't hire illegal aliens. It's just that simple. That is the magnet. Then it says, thus, oh, here we go. So let me start again. This will be my last article on this, obviously, because we're running out of time. E-Verify allows politicians to have it both ways. Oh, here we go. Business, oh, let me just, here we go. Businesses have every reason to avoid E-Verify. So far, no executives have been charged by the federal government or state governments, as far as I know, for illegally employing workers. States rarely enforce E-Verify mandates against businesses, which brings us to the third group doesn't want E-Verify to work politicians. Here we go. E-Verify allows politicians to have it both ways. Supporting it makes them look tough. This is from the beginning. This is like the paragraph they use as the, the, the main paragraph of the article. Supporting E-Verify makes, it, makes politicians look tough on illegal immigration, while in fact they are, it is so easy to avoid means their local businesses and economies are largely unaffected. In other words, they're contributors. Let's talk about the economies are affected because we have illegal aliens working. That depresses wages. That is terrible for the economy. That's terrible for the school systems because American taxpayers are paying for illegal aliens in the schools. That's, uh, that's because of a Supreme Court decision that itself is illegal. The, the, the Supreme Court does not have the power to make Americans pay foreign aid to illegal aliens. They don't have the power to do anything policy-wise. All they have the power to do is to resolve cases before them using but not interpreting the Constitution. That's their job. But it says, thus, politicians who support E-Verify get the political benefits without their constituents paying the economic costs. That's not true. They do. It's their donors that don't pay the economic costs. In fact, the donors make money. So this, is, this article is incorrect. Then it says, undoubtedly, there are some politicians who support E-Verify because they think it'll work, but conviction is greater when principle is cheaper. Yeah, no, I would say that uh, the reason the politicians do it quite simply is they are paid off by their corporate donors who want the cheap, illegal alien uh, labor costs so they can make illegal profits. If you're employing illegal aliens and you're not paying the, the standard American wage for the jobs that are being done, those profits are illegal. Seize the company. Return the money to the taxpayers of, 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 the, of, the, um, of the town, of the area where the company operates. It's a national company? Yeah, national refund. No problem. GM is employing illegal aliens. Seize a GM. All of it. You know, if you want to solve this problem, you have to do these things. Oh, Greg, that's unreasonable. Oh, Greg, that'll never pass. I'll oh, stop with your stupid excuses. I don't care. I don't. I really don't. I'm not here for excuses. We don't have time for this. This is our country. Because the problems are so bad, you know, Mr. Nice Guy, talk about this politely. That time is gone. That time is passed. Now it's time for, for action. And the only thing that I think will work, because protests don't work. Politicians love protests because it doesn't accomplish anything. The ones that do are usually Antifa or Black Lives Matter because they terrorize people. That's different. That's not a protest. That's a riot. That's an insurrection. That's a, that's a domestic terrorist activity. So the domestic terrorists, you know, basically trace back to the deep state, Democrat and Republican operatives, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, KKK, and any other group. George Soros DAs are all part of domestic terrorism. Okay, last couple of paragraphs. Mississippi isn't the only state where E-Verify has failed. In an infamous series of raids in 2006, ICE arrested, that's ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement. ICE arrested nearly 1,300 workers at Swift & Company, 
meatpacking plants across the Midwest, all of whom had passed E-Verify checks. How many more raids need to happen before lawmakers realize that E-Verify is not the silver bullet they were promised? Well, I think it's, I think it's exactly what they were promised. A program that sounds good but does nothing. I bet you that's what they were promised. 1,300 workers at Swiss and Company meat packing plants across the Midwest. That's just one company. It says E-Verify simply does not work. Its systematic design flaws made the program designed to fail. No kidding. Congress has never seriously debated E-Verify. Its reauthorization by uh, this November provides a golden opportunity to re-examine this program in the light of all its failures. Fixing the legal immigration system by allowing more low-skilled workers on temporary visas and green cards will remove the need for E-Verify entirely. After all, if the workers can come legally, then they won't come illegally. That's not true. If they can come legally with more benefits and money than coming illegally, that would make sense. But the, the, the legal immigration system and E-Verify have nothing to do with each other. Working in this country illegally is a crime problem. Immigration is determining, is a legal, is for legal people to come to the country legally. So, so mixing E-Verify and criminal prevention programs or criminal arresting programs, that is, that's a crime problem. Immigration is a legal process to totally separate things. So equate, I don't equate E-Verify with immigration at all because immigrants come here to work legally. So E-Verify is not, leaded, is not needed for the people that come and work here legally, the permanent residents. It's designed for those that come here illegally, the criminals. Totally different issues. It's just, uh, this is something else that's really stupid. It says fixing the system uh, by allowing more low-skilled workers on temporary visas and green cards will remove the need for E-Verify. That's not true. That's the Cato. Cato folks don't believe in a border, quite frankly. Uh, they're libertarians. And libertarians are totally screwed up when it comes to the border. Uh, that's the biggest failing. That's why I'm not a libertarian. Most of what they say is pretty good. But I'm not in favor of legalizing heroin you know, or fentanyl. Uh, and I don't want a, a completely open border. So their idea that if you simply bring in enough low-skilled workers on free visas and green cards, if you bring them on a green card, they can stay forever. And so can the kids and their kids and their kids and their kids, right? Uh, if you have a temporary, why would you bring low-skilled low workers in at all? You know, we have American workers. As long as there's one single person on unemployment, you don't bring anybody else in. It's that simple. Anyway, it says that's the only way for Congress to permanently fix the problem of illegal immigration. No, it's not. Then it says, in the meantime, Congress should scrap E-Verify, stop pretending the system could ever work, and go back to the drawing board. No, you don't have to go back to the drawing board, Alex. No rasta. <laughs> you know, you don't. It's very simple. So let me go over my bill in the remaining time here. Uh, let me tell you about what, uh, what the, real, uh, the real solution is. Then I'll play some things for you. Um, and away we go. Yeah, five minutes left. Okay, yeah, I'll just cover this. So we have... Two bills here uh, at the writeyourlaws.com. Writeyourlaws.com. Okay, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. The first one is the Illegal Alien Civil Asset Forfeiture Act. The second one is the Santa Rosa County, Florida Illegal Alien Free Zone Act. The basic difference is the first one covers the entire country. Um, it's, uh, now, now, the government has the ability to authorize this automatically anyway but it'll get challenged in court and all kinds of things like that. It'd be harder to challenge if we have an illegal asset forfeiture bill, I think. Plus, it's a great education tool, and it should be done. Uh, but the second one creates an illegal alien-free zone. Now, if you go to Berkeley, California, where I still live, uh, Berkeley was the first place to become a nuclear-free zone. 
which is kind of interesting because a lot of the scientists that work at the Lawrence Livermore lab, the nuclear physicists, nuclear scientists, the people that make the nuclear bombs and warheads <laughs> live in Berkeley. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, but, but no money of the Berkeley you know, taxpayer or city council can go to anything nuclear. I suppose that means nuclear energy too, which of course a lot of them are living on. From, uh, was it Rancho Diablo, one of the big nuclear plants out there? If it's still operating. Rancho Marietta, I think it is. Maybe you can look it up, California nuke plants. So anyway, um, so or the next one would be the sanctuary city. So a sanctuary city is basically illegal because they're, uh, um, what is it, aiding and abetting felons. They are accessories to the crime of, of uh, being in the country illegally. And so, an, so a sanctuary city basically says that you can't enforce legal laws here. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to create illegal laws to protect, to protect uh, criminals. So, so basically the illegal alien-free zone is the opposite of a sanctuary city. It says that no illegal aliens can come here, and we're going you know, to have measures to prevent that using civil asset forfeiture. So if any illegal alien plunks their sorry ass down here in Santa Rosa County, Florida, uh, they're going to have all their assets. They're going to lose their assets. <laughs> so, the, <you> know, <laughs> so plunk your ass down here, you're going to lose your assets. I've got to find a way to work that into a, something clever. But we don't have it yet because our Board of County Commissioners hasn't taken the bill up. Now, I wrote this with a friend of mine September 13th of 2021. That's a year and a half ago. So this bill in Santa Rosa County, Florida, Illegal Alien Free Zone Act of 2021, is a year and a half old, and they've never taken it up because the county commissioners of Santa Rosa County, like most other places, are probably paid off by the housing people that are employing illegal aliens, and so they're not going to do it. And the people here haven't seen fit to, to demand they do it. There's no Republican group supporting this bill. There's no America First group. There's no Patriot group. There's no, there's no group supporting this bill. And yet this bill would create an illegal alien free zone here in Santa Rosa County, Florida, which would be a model for Florida and the nation. It's right there. Writeyourlaws.com. Go into uh, click legislation on the website. Click all proposed laws. It's right there. The Santa Rosa County, Florida Illegal Alien Free Zone Act, which says in the introduction real quickly, illegal aliens present a dangerous, costly and completely preventable criminal financial employment and other burdens on the lawful citizens and legal immigrants of the United States, oh, excuse me, of Santa Rosa County, Florida. As il- it's kind of a widescreen. As illegal aliens are criminals simply by being in the country illegally and therefore our county illegally, all that need be established to assess civil asset forfeiture penalties is to verify their illegal status. Anyone not a U.S. citizen, permanent resident on a temporary visa status or a legal tourist is unlawfully in the country. Citizenship is public information declared every time one registers to vote, enters or leaves the United States, you know, your passport declaration, right? And many other necessary declarations, citizenship, age, residence, and other statuses are routinely checked and declared at the county level. Then it says the massive influx of illegal aliens crossing our non-existent southern border, and we're this in 2021, right? Many of whom are heading for Florida are and aided by our own federal government and various NGOs, non-governmental organizations, creates a real emergency for Florida. Therefore, to protect our state, Santa Rosa County shall be declared an illegal alien-free zone. Signs to this effect shall be posted at main uh, road entrances into the county. This ordinance shall be enforced by countywide. It is our sincere hope that every county in Florida and counties across the United States will use this legislation as a model to make their jurisdiction free of illegal aliens. Are they going to? Not here. Why? Because the business, government, fascist, cooperation, corporate, welfare, donation, contributions to campaigns, industry doesn't want it. 
That's why we have illegal aliens. I'm getting me off the clock here. It looks like I'm going to lose all my uh, folks. Um, so all my, my live chat people, bye. <laughs> I'm almost done. This is a bill I wrote, November 18th, 2017. This bill is four and a half years old. Five and a half years old. <laughs> you know, April, November 19th, 18th of 2017. It's one of my oldest bills. The Illegal Alien Civil Asset Forfeiture Act. Same place, writeyourlaws.com. Click on legislation. Click on all proposed laws. It's the third one down. Civil asset forfeiture is a law enforcement tool whereby anything gained as a result of a crime can be seized by law enforcement. Where I disagree is when citizens only suspected of a crime have property seized and have to prove their innocence to get it back. This procedure should only be used upon conviction. However, with illegal aliens who have no constitutional rights because you can't have rights in a place you aren't allowed to be in. See, it's right in the bill, right? Same thing as I say right here. All that need be established is that they enter the country illegally and were caught in the country illegally. Every day in the country illegally is a repeat offense. Establishing the approximate date and number of illegal entrances would help in documenting these crime statistics. Probably the best place to start is the ITIN or Individual Tax Identification Number. This was a President Clinton program to have illegal aliens try to buy their way into staying in the country. So all the IRS would have to do is to establish that an ITIN number holder is an illegal alien, which almost all of them are, right? And the IRS could seize all their property and assets. The whole operation could be accomplished by computer. See, my ideas don't change. This is exactly what I said five and a half years ago, right? Then it says the second greatest source of illegal aliens is the list of every illegal that failed to show for the immigration hearing. Again, by computer, all their assets and property could be seized. No rounding up, no obvious enforcement, and no violence. Any records of people that have no starting point, either born here or a proper immigration procedure leading to citizenship, are probably illegal aliens. So that's the thing. You can check, when you do a census, this is why the mandatory citizenship on the census was such a critical issue, right? Because any records of people that have no starting point, either born here or a proper immigration procedure leading to citizenship, are probably illegal aliens. So if you don't have an American birth certificate, or you have no obvious government you know, track of how you got here. Okay, I don't have an American birth certificate. I was born in Toronto, Canada. I have a Canadian birth certificate, obviously. But I have citizenship papers. I have a, I have a legal immigration process that's easily documented to prove an American citizen. When I was 21 years old, signed by, I guess, uh, Judge George McGrath, I think was the Boston judge that signed my citizenship papers. So remember it, too, because it was quite a ceremony. Anyway, but that's how, that's how you know. So if you don't have an American birth certificate, if you don't have a green card, if you don't have, if you're not on a temporary visa that hasn't expired, if you have no point of origin that can be documented, you know, you're probably an illegal alien. <laughs> so so that, that's the status. So if you don't have a point of origin that can be documented, I mean, what was, what was your point? What was your legal entry documentation into the United States? If you don't have one, you're an illegal alien. You know, if you don't have the birth certificate, don't have the green card, if you can't prove that you're legally here, because you don't have those things, yeah, chances are you're a legal alien. Betcha, betcha. Then it's, and here's the last part, and I'll, I'll play some stuff in a bit. It says, we have the right as Americans to live in a country free of illegal aliens. Think about that. Do we have a right to a country that's free of illegal aliens? I would say yes. I would. That's why I said it. Okay. <laughs> Websites for the show, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Our broadcast site, blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Uh, give sendgo.com slash action radio paypal.com oh, paypal slash paypal me paypal.com slash paypal no paypal uh, slash paypal me.com slash action radio for contributions uh, my substack gregpenglis.com excuse me 
start again, gregpenglis.substack.com. Uh, and, and of course, my email, greg at writeyourlaws.com. Those are all on the broadcast page. You can find them. Talk to you tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, with another fascinating show. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Greatcare, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. 
Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground.